Welcome one and all to episode 50 of the Megavision Show, the companion podcast to Megavision's magazine. Today is September the 6th, 2020. I'm Graham, the production editor of Megavisions, and during this week we have Chris, the editor-in-chief of Megavisions, and Scotty Moe, the managing editor for Megavisions. And today we've got a special show for you. It's now September, so that means that next weekend, on Saturday, September the 12th, we are going to be hosting the 24-hour Dreamless Dreamcast Marathon. Woohoo! Um, so for this for this week's show, we're going to have a special, a Dreamcast special. Uh, we're going to be looking at some of your favorite Dreamcast memories, some of our top Dreamcast games, uh, some of the weirdest Dreamcast games we've encountered. Plus, we'll look at some of the key advancements to the gaming industry that the Dreamcast helped deliver, um, our top experiences with the console, our reactions when we heard it was dead. Dead. And then we'll look into the current state of the Dreamcast and so games and awesome ways fans have kept the dream alive. So stay tuned and let's get on with the show. So, we're, so this show we're going to go through some of our Dreamcast memories, talk about some Dreamcast games, weirdest Dreamcast games we've encountered, hear some of your thoughts, some of the feedback that we've uh, reached out for from our listeners. And yeah, just cool, talk about some of the key experiences for the Dreamcast. So it's going to be a fun dream-tastic show i think uh yeah so dream dream yeah <laughs> whatever whatever made up word we can come up with that's what it is so let's yeah. start with well before we do that let's let's quickly go into what we'll be doing this week so chris why don't you crack away my friend sure um I feel excited because I, I feel like I actually have something to talk about because it's like the last few episodes, I feel like I haven't been doing anything. Um, so we finally got out of the house uh, over the this past week, and I took the kids to go see a movie. It's kind of, it sounds kind of crazy. This is the first time we've actually gone to a movie theater since. You're not. You're a madman, Chris. I think the Sonic last probably. movie we watched was Bloodshot in theaters, and that was like right before they shut everything Wow, yeah. Down. Um, yeah, because, that was on the cusp. Yeah, because yeah. it was in theaters for like opening weekend, and then that following week, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it got shut down. Right. Um, and it was it made a very very bad, uh, you know, that box office numbers for that opening week. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we went saw New Mutants, and I was really excited about this. I think it's I think this was um, Fox's last. Uh, X Men movie before uh. it like officially transferred over everything to to Disney, um, huh. because I guess what ended up happening uh, the director shot like a post credit scene uh, hinting at uh, a a new villain coming in and in starting a whole new like sequel and everything, but because Disney purchased um, all the like Marvel stuff. Um, they ended up having like cancel any possible sequel. So this is just a one-off um, movie. But um, before just actually getting in the movie, I will say like the Regal that we went to, we had to go to Pennsylvania to actually watch it because yeah. in New Jersey still shut down. It was, I would say like, it was very good because it was very clean. We were actually the only people that we saw like in the theater when we went there. Uh, aside from you know the actual employees, we didn't see any other people. There was no one in our theater at all, other than us. Um, so it was basically like five, five or six of us just chilling in the theater. Um, I wasn't really familiar with the New Mutants before going into this movie. I remember the comic, 
but I didn't really read it much growing up. Uh, what about you guys? Have you heard of New Mutants or heard of the movie at all? I've heard of the movie. It's been in my consciousness somewhere, but I've never seen it or, you know, like the old like comic books and stuff. I knew there was a thing, but yeah, no idea. Scotty, what yeah, about you? Same. Pretty much the same. Yeah. It's um it's basically about um like young kids that are probably like, you know, like fifteen years old or so, fourteen thirteen to fifteen. Um, they're just getting their powers and so they take them to this facility where they're trying to uh you know learn to control the, their their powers and everything and all this craziness starts happening and you know they have to end up like coming together as a group and, and using their powers uh to you know fight off this you know enemy um i don't want to go into any spoilers but i thought it was really good um it felt in certain times more like a horror movie than your traditional um superhero movie if you watch the trailer you definitely get those vibes um but Hmm. one that looked like hostile or something kind Kind of of. it's not that bad it was rated pg-13 um i took um odin with me to go see it um and can we get I his, didn't feel like he was take on it right there. <laughs> yeah. No, he's like, don't tell anyone. I'm not 13. But uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought uh I I didn't think it was too over the top for Odin. There were some, some parts like there was these like kind of slender man looking guys that come around. Um they're really okay. like have long claws and stuff. They were pretty creepy. Um but other than that, uh, it wasn't too bad. But I thought it was a good movie. Uh, if, if you guys get a chance to rent it, um, I would definitely suggest a rental. I don't. I wouldn't. I, I don't know if I would suggest going to the theater to go see it. I'd okay. Just wait and chill. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, a quick follow up that I had noted here: Bloodshot. You mentioned sucked with numbers due to COVID, which is funny because then on the other side, the Sonic movie. I mean, it, it did already. It came out. Uh, decently before COVID hit hard, um, but now it's like the best rated so- uh, superhero movie of the year, and I'm like, we need to keep a perspective here, people. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm saying that in favor of Bloodshot and against the Sonic movie, kind of. But, right. Um, yeah. But it's just, but well, okay, come on, Graham. But I'm saying <laughs> like, like Bloodshot probably should have done something different, but. Um, Speaking of movies, I'll ask, did you end up seeing Bill and Ted 3? I did uh, see it. So I was going to bring yeah. this up on my, when I switched oh, about my week. Um, oh, it's okay. sorry. I didn't read the outline, I guess. No, don't worry. It's fine. Basically, um, I can't watch Bill and Ted 3 yet because it's not out yet in the UK. Oh so, my god, Chris was totally making that joke. That yeah, yeah. Like it was funny. I was like, I was like, I was browsing like the stores, like Amazon, you know, Microsoft, Xbox, you know, and all the like digital right. stores. Zoom and I was like, I can't that. find. Yeah, try looking on Zoom and you know Napster and everything. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't find it. Uh, so hmm. then I googled it. It's like release date is I think it's next week or the week after. So yeah. Why? It's it's in a couple of weeks. So I don't weird. I don't because every other digital release seems to come out the same day because yeah you know it's digital it was there's no yeah thing. for some reason it's not in the UK um, or Europe uh, so yeah so hopefully in next oh. next week or the week after I'll be able to give you an update yeah well okay Chris you're you did you like it and we can talk about it next time with Graham when he's seen it yes I did enjoy it uh, I watched it um, I will say I hearing the criticism of Keanu um, and his um, 
yeah. I guess some would say lack of effort. I de- it was definitely noticeable. Um, yeah. I don't know if like I, I was listening to um, the Red, Red Letter, Letter Media. Media. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to their uh, review over it, and I definitely I kind of agree with what they were saying. I think it made a little bit of yeah. sense. They're basically saying that like I, they don't think. Keanu Reeves as an actor can go there in his mind like anymore and, and be that character of Bill. Yeah. Like he was um I'm sorry, Ted of Ted. Um right. Um I just made the same thing that that reporter did. Um man, that was hilarious. But I did yeah, I agree. I just don't think like he's he's done too much serious roles and and to try to kind of go back and just do this comedic role and especially jump back into that mindset that he was yeah. in, you know, like what 20 something years ago. Um yeah. And so I can understand that. It was more than 20, wasn't it? It was like 30. It was. Yeah, it, I I oh. I know what you're saying though because and I Red Letter Media is pretty harsh with a lot of their uh uh critiques on stuff. Um I don't know any of the characters names, but like an example regarding the Bill and Ted thing, how one of them, not Rich, was picking apart that one scene where the dubbing was done wrong. I'm like, dude, relax. Um, but there, but I think I do agree with them, whereas, like, mentally, he, Keanu Reeves has had a rough life outside of acting, but he's not very social about anything, really. So I can understand how mentally he could not really transport himself back to that role. Um, that in mind, Alex Winter just does carry the movie on his back in terms of his character portrayal as Bill. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you dug it, though. But we can go into more detail when Graham's seen it as well. Okay, cool. yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe we can do, um, maybe next, oh man, maybe not next week. God, because that next week's going to be our post-Dreamcast marathon. So maybe we'll do like a, um, at the end of the podcast, we can do like a spoiler talk on Bill and Ted here in a few weeks. Yeah. And we really jump yeah maybe that'd be fun um it's rare that we have uh all seen a recent movie so we could even do like a spoiler cast or yeah something. yeah yeah um graham i guess since you started to talk about that what else have you been doing uh so okay a few little things today i've spent pretty much all day reorganizing slash cleaning my room this room for next week's Streamcast marathon um and i found out that i've got about 12 dreamcast controllers here in this in the flat and i've got more at my parents house so right. i don't know how many i've got in total but yeah i've uh i've got this big box full of like controllers and most of them are dreamcast controllers oh, so <laughs> nice very nice oops sorry about that so that's that's a thing um i don't know how much to accumulate that then either yeah and uh yeah i've also got a few pickups this week so just randomly i felt like i'd really wanted to play um and this is actually quite timely because i know you know the, the avengers video games come out recently mm-hmm. so randomly the other day i was thinking i really want to play and this is good this is crazy thor oh no and captain america on the xbox 360 <laughs> i don't what know is what wrong I, with you i what, never got to play you? them when they came no out no one has ever said i want to play <laughs> thor <laughs> Well, there's a reason why I thought about it. I'll tell you that in a second. But here's the thing: thought about it, thought about it. Yeah, I bet I can think of the reason, Graham. Okay. Well, wait. Hold that thought, and I'll ask you in a second. But the thing is, someone told me that Captain America is actually not a terrible game because it uh, originally started as a completely different kind of game made by another developer. And I thought I want to test it out. 
And Thor, I just thought, you know, why not? Because they're, they're also very cheap at the moment. Like, I'm not really losing Graham. out on anything. Also, well, yeah, because no one wants to play those games, Graham. No one wants them. <laughs> There's a reason why they're cheap. I don't care. I want to play them. I want to test them out. Oh. There's a few of these games like I didn't. Ha- I actually quite enjoyed the Hulk game that Sega put out. I yeah, didn't absolutely. I, I didn't hate yeah, Iron Man that Iron much. Man Iron Man was fine. Iron Man Two is terrible. Like I will go out there and say right. that. But yeah. I say, Chris, why do you think I thought about Thor and Captain America? I would say you thought about Thor because you're also playing Story of Thor um, for a Mega Missions article. It's interesting you should say that because you're completely correct. So yeah, um, <laughs> the thing is, I've Whoa, actually look at that box art. Oh yeah, that's cool. So the thing is, I own this, and then I can't find it. It's somewhere at my parents' house, and I can't <laughs> find it. So I rebought no. it so oh, no. on the magazine. <laughs> I was just like, I can't. I literally couldn't find it, and it's weird because all my say assassin games are on the shelf. Are they either here or on the shelf at my parents' house? And I'm like, I just cannot find it so it's not a I, uh a, a, like a rare game or anything like that it's a fairly uh, i mean so i wouldn't expect it was very expensive was it no not really if you ask the class remember is it was under 40 pounds so for a decent saturn game that's not too bad it, oh okay yeah. that's a completely different game title in the u.s that's yeah so in, in america it's called beyond oasis uh in the uk yeah. it's called story of thor so story of uh, thor 2 because the oh. first one was on the, the mega drive or genesis if you will yeah i think the second one was legend of oasis wasn't oh, it? oh sorry legend yeah, of that's oasis. the saturn one yeah, yeah the saturn so, one was legend of oasis beyond oasis yeah. was the genesis right okay version. so okay. okay yeah some something of oasis <laughs> is what it is <laughs> for some reason if, um, if i did it correct you someone in the comments certainly would it's fine it. it's okay yeah <laughs> but so yeah that is why i sort of randomly thought about the thor video game and then i started, started thinking about captain america and i was like you know why not and then i got them and like the avengers game came out and i was like oh well okay that seems like i've got them because of the avengers game but not at all it was because of this right. so <clears throat> there we go but that's that's basically it this week uh that's pretty much what i've been doing and yeah so scotty would you like to what have you been up to yeah, not a whole lot, honestly. Um, my brain has been elsewhere because I'm getting ready for my vacation, which I just kind of coupled into the marathon because um, no PTO has been used on conventions this year. That's paid time off. Uh, so I was like, oh, Labor Day is the week of the Dreamcast marathon. And I was going to take Friday off and usually the Monday following the marathon. You know what? I'll just take the week into it and half the week after. <laughs> Screw it. <laughs> I got to use my PTO. Um, so my brain has kind of been elsewhere but we did get a fire stick we installed that yesterday uh and basically just browse shutter and that's all we've done with the fire stick so far <laughs> um, you guys we added man, like 40 movies to our list so there's um there's so much good stuff on shutter um, yeah we were looking through stuff and i have a question for you chris if you've noticed what the fuck is jerry o'connell doing on Shutter? We, we somehow stumbled across... Yeah, we stumbled across two movies that he's in. Both of them look like absolute garbage. I'm just... One of them is like... <laughs> he's like making his way through softcore porn movies in a horror <laughs> film somehow as a hero. And the other one, he's like in this vampire Satan ritual worshipping yes. cult thing to try to help a teenage girl or a virgin or something. And I'm just like, these both came out in like 2019. 
I follow him on Instagram, and he didn't mention a thing <laughs> yeah. about them. So that kind of says for his confidence level bit for them, I guess. Wow. No, the other movie, um, I forget what it's called. Um, that was a good movie. It has uh, I, Alexandra Daddario in it. Um, oh. Johnny Knoxville's in that movie. Hmm. As this but crazy Satan, creature. Satan, or the other one? Uh, the second film you said where the, he, um, where God. it's basically, it's, a, it's like a, about this uh, weird cult that is going around killing people. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one looks kind of interesting and probably funny. We might check that one out. But it was just like, oh, for those that don't know, this is Jerry O'Connell from obvious Sliders fame. I guess I was thinking that. By I was me forever. Ask, yeah. Oh, Graham knows that. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but that's kind of all we've done with that. Uh, that uh, but um, finally, it's out. I've been talking about it for a month and a half or two months or whatever. Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remake is out now. Um, I was going to show off the case because I bought the game and I left it in the hallway or something. Whatever. You guys know what it looks like. Um <laughs> But I hated every second of it at first because my muscle memory, literally the night before, I had played Tony Hawk 2 on stream with Tornado Jones, Corey, on the Thursday Night Throwdown, and we were having fun. And then I go into this, and I'm, like, hitting the shoulder buttons and just launching out of the rope ramps and stuff, like, not doing any tricks, bailing left and right. I'm like, what is going on? Like, did I forget how to play video games? <laughs> I am, I, And so I'm, my in my brain, it went from that doesn't make sense to I'm doing everything I ever did to play this game. And I was decent at this game, the series to, am I getting too old to play video games? Do I not know how to play video games? And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? So finally I played the tutorial. I looked at the controls. Apparently R1 and L1 are what you use to rotate your skater in midair. L2 and R2 are what you do for reverts to essentially exit the ramps and stuff. So I wasn't going crazy. I wasn't hitting like a button and it was doing something wrong. I was just hitting the wrong button because I'm a goddamn idiot. Um, that in mind, it's fun. It, it just feels good, just like the old games. One solid complaint, and this is in the notes here, I have cynical old man complaint about save files because one, I realized that aside from the first Tony Hawk, every one of those, I created a character to look like me and I had more fun being the skater in a game that I could never be in real life. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I did kind of skateboard as a kid and I just suck. Um, but it was fun to make a skater and assign his moves and all that stuff. But the creative skater in this sucks. There's like 16 faces. You can't granted. It's not fallout four or something. I'm not expecting to like elongate my nose when I want to and like flush out my cheeks and stuff like, but the faces are so generic. So Rachel and I make characters and they're like the prettier version of ourselves that you would see in a reality dating show or something like they don't <laughs> look like us at all. <laughs> And you but, so make I, I made it look a, more ugly to make them look like us. It, you really do. Like we could not figure it out. Like I, I looked closer. Like the face that looked closer to, uh, I don't even know. I'm not even gonna. This is gonna be another rant. But um, <laughs> so what I'm getting at is, well, I made my skater, and I was excited to go through some of the campaigns. So I, I started the campaign, and then Rachel played. She she wakes up earlier than I do, and she um, got up earlier yesterday, and she made a skater. And I saw that she had a skater and I was like, oh, did you start the campaign? She's like, no, I don't. I didn't want to erase game. I'm like, erase my game. I don't think that'll happen. So I go to her skater and then I go back to career mode or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's all my progress. There's all my points. And in the top, this game, it's Activision, but it looks ripe for microtransaction, like very much so because you earn your stats and you have always in the top right corner is your name and your experience and your money you've earned and like your statistics and crap 
So I'm just like, I really hope they don't do it like that. But so I'm like, no, there's gotta be, gotta be a way you can create a skater and have your own progress. So I'm like looking through all the menus. I'm like, Oh no, I'm forgetting what generation of console we're in. (laughs) So I go to, I back out to the crossbar screen, the dashboard. I close the game. I hold down the home button, log in as her PS4 username, open the game back up. There's a new campaign and career for her. So I miss basic save files and memory cards, I guess, because and people are going to be like, oh, Scotty, why do you do that? You don't need. Yeah, look at Chris over there. He's got three switches because that's just how it is today. (laughs) Fucking shut up and deal with it. No, this is the basic. This is the basic problem with that. She and I love our created skaters. We can never play against each other with our created skaters on the same console because of Mm. this. Like, think about that for a second. How stupid and backwards is that? That she has a skater on this console with this game. She can earn all her stats. She could create a skater under my profile, but she'd have no stats. So she, we, one of us would have to like play the game through twice to have our beefed up created skater to play against each other. Now, granted, we're probably not going to skate against each other that much, but it's just the fact of the matter that I had to like convince myself like this is so backwards and why I hate new games a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm. I sound like an old man screaming at clouds conspiracy theory thing, but like, am I wrong to be upset about that? Like, does that make sense or am I just crazy? No, I, these are these are things that were, were things we had, features we had back in the day, which became common, you know, for us growing up. So these new consoles, which are meant to be able to do all that stuff and more, they're getting rid of these features and stuff. And it's just, it is really annoying. I've seen that with other games that it, it just drives me nuts. Like it's like you like they keep removing co- co-op like local co-op and local multiplayer in games just to have online multiplayer. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I actually want to sit in the same room as someone have a split screen. You know, it's it's a thing I'm used to. Yeah, it's fine. and it huh. it's yeah. nuts. And then on the other on the other end of it, take Streets of Rage Four for example. You can have four player mode, and also Toe Jam and Earl um, back in the groove. You can have four player multiplayer, but that's only local co-op. That would be great online, though. You know, it's such a weird. And I understand yeah. that's more with development time than than some other stuff. Um, but it, it was just a weird thing because, like, that was the fun thing of Tony Hawk for us. And I, I haven't been excited about a newish game in a while, aside from this one. So when we sat down and that kind of hit me, I was just like, "Man, I hate video games." <laughs> like, <laughs> but still, the game is fun. It feels right. It feels good. They've added extra challenges in there. All the new music is great. Um, it was really cool to hear uh, different. Uh, bands in there and newer bands and older bands the old songs are good songs and stuff so uh, we're we're it's it's cool to just play it like i actually said to rachel i'm like do you want me to leave the disc down here because i'll take the case up to show in the podcast if you want to play it she's like yeah leave it down i'll probably play it like that's cool like my girlfriend wants to play a video game uh, that's that's a whole other thing yeah. i guess but i'm not saying she hates video games but that was the hype behind this release. So I'm, I'm happy it's out. I'm happy it's doing well. It, it came out at a good time. And one other side note, it is, I think, the first video game to actually acknowledge COVID and the quarantine in-game. Oh, wow. Um, because it has okay. billboards, like, in the school level and stuff saying, like, um, you know, thanks. Uh, we got to all work together to this. Be sure to swing in and pick up your belongings. And uh, we'll see you in the fall. Be strong. Be together. Like, stuff like that. It's really cool to see that. So Awesome. I've rambled a lot about Tony Hawk, but it's good. Big shock. My hot take. Pretty. Oh, yeah. One last thing I'll say with the skater mode, you have smart 
parts in it now. I don't know if you guys ever messed with level creator stuff, but it blew my mind because instead of like laying down a quarter piece, a side piece, a half pipe, or whatever, you can put down you can do all that, but you can put down a smart piece, which is like say you put um a quarter pipe. And if you click on it, you can drag it and just make that as long as you want to and like loop around and make this incredibly weird shape and then connect it again. So there's going to be tons of dicks all over the Internet, I'm sure. But <laughs> but it just blew my mind, like how extensive that is. So I might actually mess with that a little bit, but we'll see. So awesome. That's me. Brilliant. Cool. And with that, yeah. uh, let's move on to Scotty Moe's Mail Sack of Wonder. Oh, yeah. Sack of Wonder. Let's do that. Uh, yeah. It's the mail sack, we got the mail sack, beautiful mail sack. Oh, nope, that's wrong. That's very wrong. Oh, good God. Um, so we're going to do this. Got this sack. We're going to, oh, can't see it that well. Unhinge that mother and then bring up this guy. Oh, Because yeah. it's themed for the Dreamcast. Okay. And so I think what we can do here, guys, is each read one of these. Because they're pretty extensive, but it's really great that they are. So yeah. I am very excited about our results. Uh, our results. Stocks are up. Um, <laughs> because uh, we asked, we said it's a Dreamcast-themed episode. We said we want not just random questions, which are good. And, you know, sometimes you don't get a lot, but we get some good ones. Uh, and um, But this time we got... We asked for like stories, memories. What's a game you remember? What's a multiplayer experience you love? What's do, were you in line on nine nine ninety nine for your uh, console launch? And so we got some good stories. So I'll read the first one here by Mister Haru. <laughs> Actually, let me get a drink. I'm drying out. Sorry. Anyway, so Mister Haru said, "I remember." Oh, sorry, need to move this over, even though it'll make my face nice and white. Um, I remember saving up for it and having help from my mom to get the system. I don't recall how I found out about it, but I subscribed to the Dreamcast magazine as well and got Sonic Adventure as my first and only game at the time in one VMU. I was all on board to see Sega video games since I had missed the boat for the entirety of anything post-Genesis. My own underrated gem that I say almost never gets mentioned is Evolution 2, a JRPG that I recall sinking loads of hours into and beating, though I would never own it until my first Too Many Games convention two years ago. <clears throat> my only lament was I never was able to get online with the Dreamcast, so playing Fantasy Star Online was done entirely alone. Although I did have an imagination of what it would have been like if I ever signed on, my intense love of the unique and colorful Jet Grind Radio is what spurred my love for that type of music and eventually paved the way for my love of role-playing, as it was Jet Grind Radio, not Sonic, that led me to make my own OC, or original character. Ooh. So do you guys want to go through all of these or do we want to comment on each one? Um, I guess we can just comment on each one real quick. Um, I, I will second his uh, love for Evolution 2. I, I really enjoy the Evolution series. I never beat 2, um, but I played through most of it. I did go get through Evolution 1. Um, they were good games and they actually got a... I can't remember. I think they got packaged together and, and ported over to the GameCube, didn't they? Uh, really? I yeah, I think that. they had a, a GameCube uh, release. Google bot machine. Yeah, Google that real quick. I'll say I do remember Evolution. Um, I had that one Christmas, and I wasn't super into it, but I do remember how goofy and cool it was that the characters essentially had, like, big pocket knives for weapons, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, he would, I remember the dude would whip out a giant fork to fight the enemies and stuff. Um, really like the artwork, though. Uh, I regrettably 
donated that to a buddy in college. In college, I got rid of a lot of Dreamcast games um, because I just didn't understand what I had then, I think. and I. But I also, and this is one thing I love about the marathon, I love introducing people to games that I really enjoy. So my buddy who had a Dreamcast but, like, no library, I just gave him a lot of my games. And one of them I remember was the first Evolution because he very much sparked an interest into the J- JRPG more than I did. Okay. Uh, so it was called Evolution Worlds, um, and it, it basically... Um, oh. And both of the games on on one disc. So yeah, is that on GameCube? It was on yeah. GameCube. It on released GameCube. in North America December second, two thousand two. There was also oh, that explains why I didn't hear about it. There was also an ev- evolution was also on the Neo Geo Pocket Kavala as Evolution Eternal Dungeons. Oh Ooh, yeah, I didn't know that. Mm, that would be yeah. fun to go. I I do recall that because that I, I want that. <laughs> how much does that go for because I'm, I'm dude it's neo geo pocket color so along with anything neo geo godspeed <laughs> uh, wow um awesome neo geo color pocket whatever would be the reason i ever get that analog pocket just to have all those games on there some way shape or form yeah oh, uh, yeah I, the next one um well, i'll say this yeah. real quick before we move on um <laughs> Uh, I see a completed listing for Eternal Dungeons. Um, it's complete. It was sold for 130. Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. uh, 130 bucks. Uh, so Ooh, it's not cheap. Stupid. Damn. Okay. That's because nobody keeps those cardboard boxes, though. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway. Who wants to go next? So I, I could go for next, I guess. Um, okay. So Mithril Fox uh, has said. Uh, I sadly was a late adopter of the Dreamcast. By the time I had an Xbox 360, I already loved the game Sega had to offer and I wanted to experience the Dreamcast since one game shop I was frequently visiting still had plenty of those games in stock. One Christmas, I ended up with what I desired, bundled with Sonic Adventure, Choo Choo Rocket, Metropolis Street Racer, Jet Set Radio and Crazy Taxi. My games expansion got bigger since, but sadly I missed out on the online experiences the demo discs, and the other good stuff. I can go on an essay about this, but I'll keep my experiences kind of short. I fell in love with Metropolis Street Racer and Crazy Taxi most. I enjoyed Jet Set Radio, but I was already spoiled by Future and a bit more. Still, it was great to experience the original. I ended up with uh, Metal Gear Solid and Gleamcast much later, but it was a paid to play at one point because of my port 2 of my Dreamcast didn't work. I'm sure you understand. Oh, okay. I get, yeah. Does he mean the controller port, do you think? I think so. Yeah, because in Metal Gear Solid, as. there's the bit with the consecutive controller port. That's the only reason why I'm thinking that. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Finally, because of my desire to... Because I don't think you can beat that boss without that, can you? Or, I don't know. Anyway, anyway point. Uh, finally, because of my desire to discover more of this gem of a console, that's how I eventually found the Dreamcast Marathon Woohoo! that Scotty hosted and founded my way eventually to Mega Visions Magazine. That's us, guys. Oh, yeah. It's all of us. Uh, so I ask now, which games have you not tried on Dreamcast before that you'd want to play given that money and availability isn't an issue? And if the prospect of a Dreamcast Mini existed, what would you ideally seek in that system? So just just quickly, the first part of that question, we're actually going to cover later in the show. And the right. second part of that question, we have kind of covered in the past. Don't you, do we want to talk about that, the Dreamcast Mini? Because we've spoken about that in the past before. Uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. it would be all the hits. If, if I could sum it up, it'd be all the hits and then also Ill Bleed on my mini. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Um, but any, any, any comments on Mithril Fox experience yeah, there? The, uh, that's a damn good bundle you got at first with your Dreamcast, mm. dude. That's like, aside from... I think all he needed was a fighting game in there, and that would have been all every genre almost on the console. Much, yeah. Sports <laughs> was like, the, I guess, NFL 2K, get some of that action going. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was when the 2K series started and was pretty successful in terms of uh, competitors to EA stuff. Oh, visual yeah. concept was rolling back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. And um, Bleemcast is crazy. I, we should, if, if anyone's not heard of Bleemcast, does uh, anybody want to explain that real quick? Or So, yeah, it's basically, um, how, it's, it was an emulator disc for yeah. to play PlayStation games, PlayStation 1 games on the Dreamcast. And the beautiful thing about it was it actually upscaled the visuals, so it actually looked sharper than the original PlayStation. Um, and very strange, yeah. The very, very original idea was that each disc would have like 100 games on it, but then they only released a handful of discs which only had one game compatibility on it. So you'd have to have a special disc that could um, run Metal Gear Solid and the Metal Gear Solid actual PlayStation 1 game. But the problem was right. Sony shut, them, shut down the, the Bleemcast company down so they only released like a, a few of those, uh, which is really sad. You, it is possible to get some dodgy versions of the fight, like ones with 100 games in it, but they don't all work. And yeah, there's there's ways around it. But um, yeah, it's a pretty cool idea. Just sadly, legality. Super illegal. <laughs> yeah. All the, like, yeah think about the Think about the fact that these were essentially ROMs and emulators working through your Dreamcast. And those were somehow sold in retail stores at one point. Like well, you could thing, essentially, it would. The thing they, is, I'm you sure had, to, you had to, somehow, but. you had to have the actual original disc, like the PlayStation One disc, and put that in your oh, Dreamcast. Oh, that's right. So it, there was no ROM. There was, it was just like an emulator, right. which is basically what companies do now, like the Mega Drive Mini and the Super Nintendo Mini. Um, yeah, and true. In, in my sort, I know why Sony did this just very quickly, but. In my head as a kid, I was like, but Sony would make more money because people would be buying more PlayStation 1 games for their Dreamcast, uh, which probably wouldn't actually happen. But yeah, <laughs> in my head, I was like, why is Sony doing this? Anyway. <laughs> um, it is, it, it is the thing next? where it's like, we are selling this to you. What you do with it might be illegal, but we're not telling you to. We're just selling this to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got one from Ichabod Brain I could read. Oh, yes. Oh, please do. What happened to your mic quality? He says, uh, I got... And still it have sound, my... Does it sound different to what? you, Graham? Uh, you do sound a little your bit tinny, actually. To me. Have you just... You've moved your mic up? Uh, because I have a different mic um, that I've been oh. using. Um, I've been using my uh, Snowbell. Or Snowball, I'm sorry. Okay. Let me, um, let me just check it real quick. You sounded fine earlier, but you've gone a bit tinny now. Like okay, you're how does that of... sound? Oh, well, way better. better. Way better. Really? Okay. Oh, my yeah, God. That's yeah, that's better than you sounded sound. before now. Like, yeah. before you sounded different. <laughs> I think the I had the wrong... It, it defaulted to the wrong input, so I'm oh, not on that. So, okay. My audio is probably screwed we'll up now. Anyway, so okay. go with the Ichabod, start with the Ichabod Brain digging game. Sure. Sorry. Okay. Okay, we got one from Ichabod Brain, and he says, I got and still have my Dreamcast uh, for my 13th birthday. It is still to this day my favorite console. I remember getting AOL and AT&T trial discs for online connectivity. I would use those trial discs awesome. to get online with my Dreamcast and play Fantasy Star Online. Not even version 2 yet. 
I spent so many hours just going through the ruin, uh, through runs in the forest, caves, mines, and the ruins. It was a trip to meet up with the people, uh, meet up with people using the Dreamcast keyboard and take on Dark Falls. At this time, my brother uh, and others were really into Diablo 2. It was cool, but didn't drag me in. Fantasy Star Online captivated me. The game was so ambient and stuffed with atmosphere. The ability to meet up with other hunters, do quests, explore extremely well-crafted levels, the shuffled their layouts every time through was amazing. I remember finally being able to kill Goldaval in the caves and getting access to the mines, seeing the robotic underground slowly reveal itself after an organic forest and caves was just a perfect succession of areas later in its life cycle there was a lot of game shark hacking (laughs) i I remember those days um, where people would use an in-game character uh called null n-o-l uh and overwrite your character with that null character uh that really sucked when it happened other players would use uh megetto uh to kill players uh while in pioneer 2 which totally broke the game uh, players that hacked would often give other uh, weapons and items. I remember that I once received a Heaven's Punisher that when using its strong attack summons beams down to all enemies selected. Um, sounds pretty awesome. Uh, playing <laughs> Fantasy Star Online on the Dreamcast from 2000 to 2001 was a magical experience, and I'm glad to have had that moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's Man, awesome. I remember... I remember when someone would come into your like um, your game and you realized that they were a hacker. You had to hurry up and pull your VMU out yes. of the game because if they would what if the they fuck? would do something to hack it, if you could reach it before it saved your VMU, it would just basically like disconnect you. And yeah. so if you could stop it from saving that like local file, um, then you could like stop the hacking. But so would I, it, I got um, just quick clarification question with that when a new character when a new player would hop in would it load and then auto save something is that what you're talking about it had to save something um from the game like some sort of online to your save that would screw it all up like it would basically i think it uh corrupted your save file or something like that didn't it graham uh, there's something about that yeah there were different there were different types of hacking going on there's like ones where people if they joined your game it could corrupt your save file and stuff there are other ones where they could they could come in and it wouldn't corrupt your game but they could then do stuff to you though they could kill you or they could take your items. There was ways they could take your items and stuff. Like I think they could take your equipped weapon. Because right. uh, that happened to me once. I had an equipped weapon, and then suddenly I didn't anymore. And I was like, it was a good weapon as well because I got quite high in the game. I was like, where the fuck's that gone? Um, so there's other things they could do. So yeah, if, if someone has hacked and wow. came into your game, the best thing was to just put out your VMU basically. Um, that's messed yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, it's that's so annoying. Up. That's like that's like on today's levels. Um, uh, it, you can get them now, but like there was a, a time where I forget the brand name, but there was a hack controller for that you would essentially, if people would essentially buy controllers for Call of Duty, that you'd have the pistol, but instead of firing one round, it would turn into an automatic, a semi automatic gun essentially. Oh, you just God. hold down and go, <laughs> you know, just hold down the trigger. And we would get kids like rolling in asking, like, do you sell these? And I'm like, no. And then if I ever got shit for it, I would be like, okay, l- look at it this way. You're essentially buying a hacked item that you can illegally use in the game. Not illegally, but in terms of video game terminology. Because right. people would get banned. They're I'm con- sure it's against from the Call of Duty, uh, terms of like, use for those yes, games. It, yeah, the agreement and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. console, uh, game, um, Usernames and systems would get banned from 
going online with your 360 as a result of this stuff. So this wow. is like the early form of that garbage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really annoying. Well, yeah. we do have That's one crazy. more question from Into the Crab. Does anyone want to read that one? Yeah, sure. I, I just wanted to comment on real quick on the AOL discs, because that's amazing. <laughs> Using the <laughs> old America right. online CDs that you would get in the mail was probably the only great thing about getting stacks of those in your mailbox is you could use them for free internet. Granted, that wouldn't prevent you from suddenly dropping from a game if, if mom or dad had to use the phone or somebody had to use the phone. But I just thought that that's such a great timely comment that... Uh, that I was using net zero back in the day where you'd have yeah. like you'd have to sit through ads and stuff to connect it. And Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. There, well, there wasn't, didn't they use net zero? They used something specific. On, well, they uh, had their own. They had SegaNet for a while. Oh, um, yeah. They ran oh. their own ISP. Um, the wild West of the Internet people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, oh, you wanted to read the last one, Graham? Sure, I don't mind. Um, so this one's oh, okay. from Emmett the Crab. Uh, I was like 25 when it came out. I was hoping for a new Panzer Dragoon game, but I love PSO and Soul Calibur. A friend of mine kept telling me that the Dreamcast was going to be discontinued. Uh, and he said, in quotes, his friend said, they're including 10 games when you buy it. That's a bad sign. I didn't want to believe, and I argued with him. Uh, <laughs> and then you went to the store, right? Because holy crap. That's an yeah, awesome take, deal. <laughs> yeah. I do yeah. vaguely remember that, especially in America, they were giving away tons of games with the Dreamcast. You know, when time just continues. Uh, it's, it's sad. But we're actually going to talk a little bit about... Um, the Dreamcast game discontinued and our thoughts and stuff on it uh, a bit later in the show. So uh, is there anything else you guys want to add to, to those at all? Or um, That he wasn't alone in hoping for a new Panzer Dragoon game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And um, Soul Calibur is great and a strong launch title. We'll talk about that a little more. Um, I want to say overall that I all these comments, a uh, quick overall comment is I am kind of sad I missed out on Fantasy Star Online when it started like that experience i missed yeah, out on it, that it was that was a lot of fun I, I mean graham and i we played it a ton back in the day oh, together. yeah that's like awesome. yeah one of our jams we would yeah. play it at least three to four times a week like online yeah, like, for at like, least yeah. like a couple hours at a go <laughs> yeah like we played a lot um it's great a yeah. lot of fun. i played it i played it i played um blue burst recently with mm-hmm. anti chris on uh thursday night stuff on the stream it's mm-hmm. cool it is bare bones and it is <laughs> Unless you were a fan of it back in the day, I guess I thought it was pretty boring. But then he's oh, like, man. "This is MMOs, man. MMOs are something you just turn your brain off with, and it's basically an interactive chat well, room. Like it's you're not, not you're not gonna. That. It's it's an yeah. MMO that has to be able to run on a narrow band modem, right? You know, like you, when we're talking about you know, like because uh, Blue Burst was on PC, right? Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm I'm just kind of referring to the PSO, the the OG one. Um, so these games are are fairly simple. You know, there's not a, a ton of stuff going on, and uh, I I still think though it's it's just amazing that they were able to even get that game running yeah. <laughs> on Dreamcast yeah. and, and being online. Um, so the so. Fred Durst could kick your ass. <laughs> right. No, that's that was great. Uh, lots of good stuff from the community. So thank you guys for sharing. It's always yeah. good to hear uh, and it just share stories like that. So that's cool. Yeah. Excellent. So we can pack it up. I'll put away my Dreamcast for those that are seeing it visually. You can see my Quake 3 Arena sticker. This is Lovely. a launch console, and that sticker was stupidly put on by young Scotty Moe when he got it from his magazine, and he was really excited to have a sticker <laughs> for his console. So, <laughs> we'll, uh, it's so bad. It. I, uh, I can't do this looking in my reflection. Pack it on up and secure this bad boy. Uh, pretend it's secure. I'm not doing that. <laughs>
we, we mentioned we mentioned last week that we weren't really going to be doing news stuff because uh, we we're in the show because we're we're going to start doing news in a different way. We haven't actually launched that sort of way yet, but a bit of news came out which relates to what we talked about last week and also ties in with the Dreamcast. So we're going to talk about it. Um, Scotty, do you want to talk about the news? Yeah, sure. Um, I posted awesome. this on the site uh, only because Marson wasn't available. Our registered Shenmue nut. But <laughs> um, no, so what happened during uh, Crunchyroll <clears throat> had the virtual Crunchyroll Expo and they announced a Shenmue anime series coming out. Uh, 13 episodes, very little is known on it um, other than it will be a collaboration between Crunchyroll and Adult Swim. Yu Suzuki is actually serving as the executive producer uh, and the director of this was the director of One Punch Man Season 2 and Majimoji Rurumo. Sorry. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Yep, perfect. Uh, First try. I don't know that one, but One Punch Man I do know. Um, But it, all they've said is it's going to basically be a retelling of the video game stories, uh, okay. and which I think is is cool. But they have not said how far in it'll go or how uh, if it's going to complete the the epic tale okay. or not yet. So right. uh, I don't think there's a date or anything otherwise. There's very little information. So it's it's literally they said 13 episodes. They do have a cool piece of art for it. It's called Shenmue: The Animation. So. We'll I'll say this, like, I would like it, I, w- I think it would be fun just for it to be a cover the first two games, like the first season. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would rather, because mm-hmm. I would, I think it would be more fun to go back and, and, and relive those memories that you played those, like, first games, but in, like, a new animated form. I think it would be really cool just to see all the different scenes with, like, Ryu, like, you know, a lot of the fights could be f- more fleshed out. Uh, I, I think it would be really neat to to go back and just kind of show the the first, you know, kind of original story or as the story began mm. in the Dreamcast games. Start yeah. with that. I, I'd like to see these 13 episodes just do the first game and hopefully have then have a second season of 13 episodes for the second game and then another one for the third game. Because I reckon 13 episodes would be great to actually tell the story, have the action scenes and stuff in. Um, I feel like if they've got two or three of the game's like story length in there, it's not going to be enough episodes, really. Because then you've got like what three, three maybe four episodes per game. That doesn't really work for me. I don't think unless the episodes are an hour long or something. But I imagine they're going to be like twenty minutes long or something. Because it's uh, yeah, you could do that in Shinmu three because like the first half of the game you're not even really doing anything. Fair enough. I guess at the end of episode Shinmu two as well, there's not much going on either. But you know. yeah, I, one thing I love about this news is because if you if you're not a regular listener or watcher of the show, last week we we're actually talking about this news because there's something that was hinted and teased at. Oh, Scotty was going to say something. Called this? Yes, I called this last episode, but I called this years ago when I was talking <laughs> to my buddies Josh and John about this. I'm like, this was this was probably like 2008 or something, and I was like, just finish it in an anime. It wouldn't be the same thing as the games. It wouldn't capture the atmosphere as well. Just finish it in an anime. Freaking check the timestamp, people. I caught yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so good. Because, yeah, last week we were talking about this. We were talking about different ideas, like a comic book form. And Scotty said an anime or something. Um, but Crazy. also, 
one of you mentioned about it being about like in a similar style to One Punch Man or something or something around One Punch Man. And here we go. The people involved in One Punch Man is in it. So this is great. I love it. Um, it's crazy. It'd be great. Uh, yeah. And I really hope we get to see him my... riding the bus, as you said, like um, just standing on the bus like a psycho. Uh, yeah. And just also like... just responding awkwardly to questions like, okay. And they're just turning around and walking off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, something that captures Shenmue, I'm not going to say perfectly, but really well, is a uh, one of the Giant Bomb, the website Giant Bomb. Uh, a fan always puts together best of from their streams and gameplay videos and stuff like that. Uh, find the one that is... Shit, I don't remember what it's titled. I'll, throw it, I'll find it and throw it in the podcast info, but it's them playing Shenmue 3, and there are parts where, like, Ryu's talking to an old lady, and he's like, have you seen anyone wearing a blue shirt? And the old lady, like, awkwardly looks up at him and says, uh... A red skirt? No! <laughs> and, like, and there's another part where um, he's standing like 10 feet from that large gentleman that is teaching kids kung fu or something. He's like uh, far away from him and like showing him a piece of paper, like asking if he's seen whatever looks like this. He's like, dude, he cannot see that, but that's Shenmue. And <laughs> it's just so I think. I, I do want to comment on your idea of it being uh, each game, each season, Graham. Mm -hmm. I I don't I don't want to crush your dreams, but I could see them guaranteeing to not do that because that's Damn what it. Suzuki wanted to do with the games, and it's taken this long just to get to the third game. You know what I mean? So I I, I feel that this might be a way for them to condense the story and do it uh, a couple episodes at a time for each game. But I think the main thing we we have to keep in mind the majority of the Shenmue games and Shenmue experience is doing nothing. <laughs> so I think the the the, yeah. the anime is going to kind of bypass that a little bit because you're not going to have Rio. You're like the 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 anime is not going to be going to go into a first person view. Or if it was only looking at Rio and the things he does, then it would be a lot of just Rio staring at walls and trying to read store signs <laughs> and like looking at fish that on could a be platter. A great <laughs> Someone just played the game and just like yeah. voiced everything. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just, but I, but I think what I'm saying overall is like, I'm, I'm sorry, I say my last thing and then I'll, I'll yeah. be done with Shenmue. But like, I think this is the way to get more of the story out there to a wider audience because those games are not they're they're so hard to introduce to people and convince that they're good because they are good for a group that is diehard and they're they are good in terms of what they the 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 what they set for open world games. But there's like five different fan bases of Shenmue. Like there's the the people that respect it, the people that love it, the people that are, that are like, what are wrong with what's wrong with you? Why do you like this game? Um, so I think this is a good way to squeeze it all together. Mm. But also, I kind of hope that they don't finish the story with this anime because then at that point, what's the point of having more games? Which is what people want out of yeah. Shenmue. Yeah. So. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. What That's were you cool. going to say, Graham? I, uh, so you, I was just going to say that, yeah, I, my issue with it, if they were to like try and do all the season, all the all the games in like one season, is that um, yes, the, a lot of the games is just walking around like doing nothing, doing nothing essentially, just like walking around talking to people. But which is what I love about it. <laughs> but that's part. That's kind of part of what, especially in the first the first game. Rio is trying to solve like a mystery of who, the, who these, these mysterious people are who just came to this house and stuff. So I feel like there needs to be that, right. that story of development. And for Xbox players, the original Xbox players who got Shenmue 2, 
they actually had the Shemu movie disc um, with the game. Right. So it, it kind of retold the like the original game, um, and that was like a proper full length movie. And that, but that was still condensing down to all the main parts of the story, and it was also the, yeah. the exciting action bits. So I think it's totally possible right. to do it and keep it interesting. Uh, but I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Let's watch this space and see where they actually go with this because that'd be really interesting. Yeah, I will. I will say also one thing I'm legitimately excited for. The second game is um, really revolves around fights, and I'm very excited to see how because anime is anime. I'm very excited to see how they portray mm-hmm. those fights and make them so much more action oriented than quick time events. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that'll be cool to see. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. So, so let's yeah. let's wrap that bit of so, news up for now and. Uh, yeah. Well, well, we'll watch the space and see what happens. We'll try and get back to you if we hear anything more. But yeah, awesome. And with that, we'll go for a quick break and be right back after this. And we're now moving on to a section talking about how the Dreamcast changed gaming. So one of the reasons why Dreamcast fans love the Dreamcast is because, let's face it, it's pretty much ahead of its time. It had some great games on it, but it also did so many things that we just didn't happen before, really. So there's the obvious one, which is uh, they had a built-in modem when it first came out, so it allowed for full online browsing, allowed for online gaming out of the box, which was like a massive achievement. And this is a time when the internet was still quite young, so only PCs could really do it. And then the Dreamcast came out, and it's like, oh my god, it pretty much changed gaming completely. And as you see, for viewers, Scotty is showing off the uh, internet modem on the, on the side of the Dreamcast, which you can take out, uh, which is brilliant. But it did, some, it did some other great things that not, some of these things aren't really spoken about so much. So I'm just going to read out uh, a few of them, basically, right now. Um, there's one thing which is this was actually only in Europe only which is Planet Ring I don't know if you guys know much about this but it is essentially an online gaming community and for PlayStation 3 fans if you remember PS Home this was kind of like a mini version of PS Home about 8 years before PS Home even existed so online gaming community uh, people could come go online together they could uh, actually play real uh, games in real time together, like these mini games that are about four or five mini games on there. Um, it also had uh, access to the Dreamcast microphone, so you could actually verbally communicate with people, which is amazing. And this is also three years before Second Life, which was like, as, as some of you might know, is a massive PC online gaming community, effectively. Um, so uh, Planet Ring was a bit of a smaller affair, but it's incredible what they did at the time. Uh, sadly, it was only out for a little bit, and it was, it was Europe only, but it was such a cool idea, and yeah, really good. Uh, and Scotty is showing off the Dreamcast microphone right there. <laughs> um, there was also, and this was actually Japan only, there's something called the Dream Library, which I actually only found out a little while ago about this. Um, so this was effectively the Dreamcast virtual console years before the Wii came out. Um, so um, there were actually some uh, sort of services like back in the day, uh, like they had the Sega channel, Atari 2600 had something called GameLine where you could uh, essentially uh, download, digitally acquire games for those consoles. But this was a bit different. This allowed you to play Mega Drive and NEC PC engine games. So it was effectively, it was... It was a bit more like the virtual console in that you're playing games not designed for the console you're playing on to be downloaded to your console. Uh, so that is it's emulating games, basically. And it's legal, completely legal. So it was an amazing thing. Um, 
but basically, rather than the virtual console where you buy games, you actually rented games from a period of between two to seven days. Um, sadly, as I say, it's Japan only. But I mean, if the Dream Library was out in America or Europe, I think that would have been a massive thing. Problems with it, though, were technologically, it was, you know, Dreamcast downloads, the internet speed wasn't the best. VMU size was very small, so it's actually stored on the Dreamcast RAM. So if you turned off your Dreamcast, you then had to re-download it again. Uh, so it wasn't the smoothest service in the world, but it was the first. Like, uh, it was amazing. Um, such a cool idea. Uh, as sort of mentioned, uh, voice chat and internet calls, that wasn't really done. Well, that wasn't done on consoles before this. Uh, so as I mentioned, Planet, Planet Ring, Alien Front Online, um, those are two games that supported online voice chat, uh, complete for industry first. Uh, Dreamcast also had something called Sega's Dream Call, and which is basically a Skype or Zoom-like service. Um, launched, it was launched three years before Skype, uh, which enabled Dreamcast users to make phone calls over the internet. Uh, so again, a massive idea. And also, I feel like this is a critical one, DLC, downloadable content. So... A lot of what people consider to be a DLC on the Dreamcast actually isn't DLC. So when you talk about Sonic Adventure with the Christmas stuff and the, the Christmas DLC or those other things, that was actually content that was locked to a disc. And what you were doing was downloading a little file which then unlocked it on your disc. So that was pre-planned content. However, the Dreamcast did actually have DLC. You had ghost saves for certain games, especially racing games. So that was oh. content that could not be pre-planned. Uh, I'd race on a game like Metropolis Street Racer, for example, upload my ghost data, Scotty, you could then go and download it and race against me. So that was DLC. The limitations of the Dreamcast VMU and, and sort of storage for that meant that that's the only way they could really do it. But they were adopting DLC. They had a future plans to have a better, bigger memory as well. So you could download proper DLC for other games, but that never really came to fruition. Uh, but yeah, that's a huge thing that people don't really consider. DLC kind of really actually started on the Dreamcast. And one other last one I want to mention very quickly is um, 60 hertz uh, compatibility worldwide. Now, for most Americans and also um, people in Japan or Asia, you probably wouldn't have even considered this to be a thing. It's not an issue for you at all. But essentially, in European countries, PAL region, um, TVs back in the day used to be 50 hertz, which initially was because it actually gave a better picture quality. Um, so for TVs and shows and movies and stuff, technically we had a better picture quality, but 60 hertz had a faster frame rate, a refresh rate for the TV. And for early video games, didn't really matter. It's when faster games like Sonic the Hedgehog came out that we really started to notice that we had a downside to our gaming, for example. Uh, so Sonic the Hedgehog would actually run faster on uh, the Sega Genesis and the Japanese Mega Drive. In, in Europe, our Mega Drive, Sonic and Sonic 2 and stuff, noticeably was a little bit slower. Like for us, it was kind of fine. But when we started to branch out and see these other, you know, what's happening in America, Japan, it's like, oh, wait a second. And the thing is, TVs in Europe were starting to support 60 hertz long before the Dreamcast came out. The console manufacturers like Nintendo from the N64, you know, Sony for PlayStation stuff, they didn't actually ever have any games that worked. Um, they could do 60 hertz for PAL region. They always stuck to the 50 hertz. Dreamcast was the first one. Actually, a lot of, so if you actually get by a lot of European games, when you start the game, it will say, would you like to play in 50 hertz or 60 hertz? Oh, and you could, yeah. test your, you could test your TV to see if it would support 60 hertz. And if it did, brilliant. You got to play like the basically the American version. So you got to play Sonic I, Adventure um... at its proper speed, effectively. Um, 
It was massively, I, basically, a massive thing. I've encountered that for Dreamcast indie games that I buy now. Mm-hmm. They have that option at the beginning. Uh, and the only other comment I have on all of that is blast processing. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, that's one of those things that people don't really realize. That was a thing that, back in the day. But all modern HD TVs do 60 hertz as standards. Um, uh, so your newer consoles, your, your Xboxes and stuff, you don't have that option anymore because it's just not a thing anymore. Back in the day, it was a massive thing. Uh, so yeah, that's just a few. That's just a few things that I, I wanted to talk about uh, with passion. Uh, that, that some of the reasons why I love the Dreamcast and why it's so forward thinking for its time. So I'm going to hand it to you guys. Uh, have you guys got any other thoughts? Any other any other things you want to talk about there? Really, I'll let Sadie go first this time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this is the first I've heard of the Dream Library right now in real time there you um, go that's fucking nuts that's insane just that that it, the, all of this stuff and it reminds me of an earlier thing i read uh about planet ring before i was part of megavision staff and when the magazine was only digital graham talked about planet ring um you can actually play that now with the dreamcast live community um i'm gonna do it but yeah and you have on here i don't i don't know that you mentioned one of your bullet points here that it was three years before second life second life mm-hmm. is still popular but that thing is insane if the dreamcast kicked that off earlier than that somehow just if it, basically what i keep thinking is if any of these ideas succeeded in the realm of possibility like other programs are with how these things are i uh, that's that was somehow a sentence but um <laughs> it's just all nuts and it's just gonna be me forever saying that sega was ahead of their time just with even with the freaking Genesis and stuff. It's just, it's nuts. But this also lends to like how much money they were spreading themselves so far thin with all this stuff. Mm -hmm. That was part of the, yeah, it wasn't just the PS2, everybody that killed Sega, whatever. This is one of the many factors, pros and cons. It's it's some of the great and horrible things, I guess, you know? Totally. Yeah. I, I guess the thing that I always go back to is I just, I, I see all this potential and I see all the things that, that, that Sega was doing with the Dreamcast and everything. And it just, it makes me sad because it didn't get its full life cycle. Like so many no, other, not at all. it basically got a couple yeah. years and then it got the plug pulled from it. And um, so I just, I always think about like, what, what would have the Dreamcast like would have done had it had a full life cycle. And I, just I thought of I, something. I would, you know, like I, I know that I, I remember reading in, in magazines back in the day that Sega had started talking about um, essentially updating the Dreamcast hardware. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. what, you know, manufacturers do today. And it's, you know, like what probably Nintendo is going to be doing in a few years with the Switch. They're going to release like some new iteration of it um, with, with you know, better, uh, you know, like uh, internals. Uh, so it maybe have like a faster processor, may have a bigger hard drive, things like that. Sega was talking about doing this with the Dreamcast like back in the day. And the way it was explained, at least how I remember it, is that you would send in your Dreamcast somewhere and then they would go in and update wow. it, <clears throat> put in new stuff, send it back to you, and then you'd have like an updated Dreamcast. So the idea was that the Dreamcast hardware capability would continue to improve over the life cycle of the, the system. So you'd be able to continue to get better games. And so there's a there's potential, if that would have happened, like Dreamcast <laughs> games would have looked higher, much higher quality than PS2 even, if that would have actually happened. And I think that 
that possibility is so cool and i love to think mm. about that yeah it's nuts it's really nuts i do have one more thing that i thought about uh as you were mentioning that stuff chris um my friends in high school were super duper into Ever- everquest online on the ps2 oh i played um, that a lot too i, I played that yeah. a lot but the reason I bring that up is the Dreamcast had a modem. The PS2, you could eventually get the, I think it was a hard drive and a modem or something like it, that. It, expansion. It, 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 I, I don't think it required the modem, but a lot of games required both of them to be in there. Um, right. Okay. Or I'm sorry, the hard you would, drive. I'm sorry. The hard, it, you didn't have to have a hard drive connected to it to put it in and, and hook it up. Oh, okay. But, but, but yeah, but the, but the, required both, both peripherals. Yeah, the PS2 had this giant box that you would put onto the back of your console to play things online essentially um but i remember i didn't really care that they were playing everquest because that was this time in my life where i was introduced to music and i was starting drum lessons and and stuff like that so i kind of just let that go and i didn't care as much until world of warcraft uh hit you know essentially robbed my friends from my life and i'm i'm but what i'm leading up to is it was so bad with wow and them that at one point, uh, we were sitting down to dinner, like our group of friends, and they start talking about WoW. And I literally whipped out my Game Boy Advance SP, and one of them was like, "Uh, Scott, what have you been doing?" Because everything w- was World of Warcraft. I did not oh, even God. have anything to do with the conversations ever. So I just like didn't want to hang out with them, and it was bad. And I'm there's not bad blood. I still talk to them and stuff. Um, but um, but but that goes back to. What if they got into play Fantasy Star Online instead of EverQuest 2? Like, what if they got into another Dreamcast game mm. online? What if they just did that instead of PS2? Like, that blows my mind to think that someone else besides one other guy in my friend group, shout out to Ben, um, would have been into the Dreamcast and had a Dreamcast. And, like, it's, it's just, it's all, th- this whole section is a big what if, but, like, think about that. Like, what if Fantasy Star took off, like, EverQuest and then invaded World of Warcraft's uh atmosphere in or ecosystem and stuff like mm. that like it's just crazy yeah. to think about that uh i will quickly say uh before we move on that there were several um uh new like peripherals and other little cool features that sega had planned um and it showed oh, off yeah. in some capacity i think a lot of it were like tokyo game show type things like that mm-hmm. mainly centered in japan uh, but a lot of people will remember the the vmu mp3 uh, yes. that looked totally awesome uh I I really wish that thing would have came out. Oh, um, man, there was the uh, the zip drive, which uh, everyone oh, you know, remembers. I I I think that they should have just went straight into uh, like some sort of other expandable memory, like maybe just hard drives or something like that. Like yeah. looking at that, maybe just maybe even having something that the the Dreamcast could like dock to. Almost kind of like the karaoke machine for the Dreamcast, yeah. um, but it would dock <laughs> into it, and that in and of itself would be like a, a giant hard drive that the Dreamcast mm. would sit on, but it would be connected mm. uh, to some sort of That's port um, on there. Uh, because I think that would make more sense than a zip drive. Um, but anyway, Sega was looking at doing that, uh, which would have uh, had a, you know, that would have opened up the possibility for from real DLC. Um, or save stuff like that, and so you'd mm-hmm. really expand uh, what you could do with the Dreamcast online um, with you know this zip drive uh, peripheral. Yeah. Uh, there's also that the the swatch access, which oh, I yeah. think Graham, you probably know more about that than I do. 
Yeah, so this, this when I found out about this, this blew this kind of blew my mind basically. Sega was working with Swatch, the Swiss watch company, to for the, to release this um, watch called the the Swatch Swatch Access, and what it was was a watch which had internet functions. So um, the basically for the Dreamcast, you had this like thing that you'd attach to your controller, which is like a big round disc thing, and you could sync up your watch to this disc thing, which would connect to the internet. And the idea was that you could uh, put your calendar on there, but also it would like uh, bring up, you could get cinema times, um, restaurants, um, uh, contact details and menus and stuff like that. Um, so which to us these days, we know with your phone in your pocket, that's nothing. Back then, yes, the internet existed, but it's, you couldn't really find like, well, you could just about find cinema times maybe, but like what uh, restaurants and stuff, you could get, rest- oh, that was the other thing, you could get table bookings for restaurants and do it through your watch and stuff. It's a great idea. Um, just sadly, it never fully came to fruition. The Swatch Access was released in Japan, but they actually didn't have all the functions they were originally planning. But there was a whole press event um with sega and and swatch together like talking about all these awesome features and stuff they revealed uh like a uh an early version a prototype version of the watch and and everything that you were showing off what you could do they had early prototypes of the all the functionality but around this this is around the time towards the end of lifespan sega decided to discontinue the dreamcast and yeah sadly it didn't fully come to fruition but it was almost basically a smartwatch before smart like years before like the apple watch and stuff came out you know it's insane what they were thinking of and it'd have been a actually going to be a really cool idea um yeah if it did come out it's so cool so yeah that's one thing that gets me really excited is that idea (laughs) i feel like the dreamcast you know there were there were there were typing uh there were word processing things for consoles before this and stuff but i feel like the dreamcast was the first console that had the intent of being more of a media box than just mm. a video game console. Um, aside from not having, uh, what's it called, um, DVD. And I, I think, I, 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 oh, oh, what Chris was saying about add-on memory, um, it's weird that they had that with the Saturn, but then took it out for the Dreamcast. But then I do remember reading, it might have been in Console Wars, that that was essentially, what can we remove? What's more important? Yeah, let's put a modem in this thing instead of a hard drive. So that makes sense when you think about it like mm. that. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, it's ahead of its time. There's it's so many things ahead of its time. Yeah, What's so that, I just said they should have put a DVD player in it, but yeah, it yeah. the the cost of them having a DVD because Sony was in the DVD te- industry. Know, it's I cheaper for them. You know, it's there's. Right. I think there's reasons it would cost a lot for them to put it in compared to Sony's doing it for the. Anyway, right. as we say, let's wrap up this bit. It's um, it just just goes to show. Just wanted to touch on like how advanced it was and some of the cool ideas they were going to have for. For the Dreamcast, um, but yeah. So with that, let's move on to our next bit. We're going to go down a little bit now. We just talked about how amazing it was at the time, but our reactions when Sega cancelled the Dreamcast. Um, so as we all know, the Dreamcast was sadly cancelled. Um, I think it was in 2001, it was actually officially announced uh, by Sega that we they were cancelling the Dreamcast. Um, I did actually have the date up on my screen earlier and now I've just lost it. Um, but yeah, they, they came out and they said it's, it's, it's going to be cancelled. What were you guys' thoughts? So Chris, um, what was your reaction? What did you think? Yeah, well, obviously I was really upset. Uh, I can't remember how I found out about it. It must have been 
I mean, Sega, it must have been after Sega issued the press release and then sites just started covering like IGN and stuff like that um, probably came out with the news. Um, but I got so angry. I got so mad that I was like, you know what? I'm going right now and I'm taking all of my Dreamcast stuff to GameStop. I traded it all in and um, I ended up, I already had a PS2 at the time and I think I just bought a bunch of PS2 games with it. Um, I was so mad. I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> wow. like, I can't believe Sega's doing this. Like, I'm just completely done with it. Like, I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, of course, I regret that years later. I wish I would have kept all that <laughs> stuff, um, especially for like PS2 games. But uh, I just, I just, man, I didn't know what to do because I was sitting here, I was running a Dreamcast fan site, Dreamcasters Realm. Graham and I were working on that together. Yeah. And then now, all of a sudden, like, I find out that, okay, well, Sega's going away from this. Uh, and now, like, what am I even supposed to do with this website anymore? And so I think that's really what got Graham and I talking about, like, okay, well, we're going to have to come up with another idea because there's not going to be any more Dreamcast games. So we just can't just cover Dreamcast. So maybe we'll just cover everything Sega. And we came up with the name Sega Nerds. Um, and that's yeah. basically how what you know, how Saganers came about is because of this whole um, event. And so I guess I was pissed off at first, but some really good stuff came out of it for us personally, I guess, on the website and everything. But um, yeah, man, that was rough, yeah. rough, rough times in the that was a, household. I think Saganers was the silver lining in the Dreamcast discontinuation, but I think a lot of fans out there would probably rather have the Dreamcast be successful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that I would choose to have the Dreamcast continue over any of our things yeah. that we've done. Oh yeah, Scotty, like what your what we feeling at the time? Um, I don't remember even being phased by it. I know mm. this is going to surprise some people, but I don't. I don't even remember reading about the announcement or anything. Um, I think this was again my life was kind of easing. My my life was kind of easing out of video games and more into music and learning instruments. So I just it wasn't a huge factor to me, which is weird to say, weird to hear me say. But I remember hearing along with that that Sega was going to go third party, and certain series were going to go to certain consoles. So all I heard in my dumb high school mind was Nintendo's console is going to get Sonic, and it was also <laughs> announced that Nintendo's console is going to get the Canon. Resident Evil games. So the next numeric Resident Evil game, Resident Evil 4, will be on GameCube and nowhere else. Well, yeah, that's the biggest lie Capcom ever told, as we see now in today's <laughs> age. But, um, and then also Smash Brothers was going to the next uh, Nintendo console. So in my head, I was like, well, duh, Sega's not dead. I need my Sonic game, so I'll just go to GameCube. And like the other things didn't interest me. For some reason, in my mind, oh, this was also when I think I was angrier. Um, I think it was angrier about Microsoft saying that they're doing a console uh, because <laughs> really? I was like, yeah, it, it, I don't dude. I don't know. I was, I was more PO'd that like Microsoft is Microsoft is entering the console wars. I don't want Microsoft making a system. I remember being upset about that and thinking like, I'll go to Nintendo cause they got Sonic and they got other stuff. They've announced that Sega will be helping them out with. And so it was weird because I was just at a different point in my life that games weren't as important. And instead I was on into music. So 
I do remember my buddy who I convinced into getting the Dreamcast was upset with me. I was like, I'm sorry, dude. Doesn't mean it's a bad console, but I didn't tell you it lasts forever. Mm. Um, but it, it's crazy and weird. And I don't know. I think it honestly makes it more powerful in the fan community than had it lasted longer. Uh, but it was, it was not as dark times for me as a Sega fan, I guess, as, as some people would be led to believe. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. I think for me, I the, the one word that comes into my head is gutted. I was just uh, like at school. This is see back in the the Mega Drive and Super Nintendo days. I got like I had friends who had Super Nintendos. I had a Mega Drive, but we never got had a we never had a console war, even though that was known as the console war era. For me, the console war started with the Dreamcast and the PlayStation too. Like um, at school, there we had a few people who had Dreamcasts. Um, had some people who had um, PlayStation 2s, but yeah, it's just always that argument of like, oh, PlayStation 2 sucks. No, Dreamcast sucks, sort of thing. Um, and then the date was announced that Sega was pulling out, they're stopping the Dreamcast and pulling out. I was just so gutted because basically the PlayStation fans had won. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like, because like the Mega Drive and Super Nintendo, like they sort of came to their final conclusion. You know, their consoles, they, they got to the end of the era. Is You could argue one sold more than the other, but it felt like there was no winner as such, you know, there was no, like right. I've taken you down. Whereas this area is just like, man. So I was like proper bummed. Um, I think I even like wrote on like, I even written on Sega forums, like some sort of angry, like, well, screw you guys. Like, why have you done this? Like this, you could do so much better. Like, you know, like I uh, just an angry fanboy rant. Find those old posts. That uh, would be I'll try. Movie. Yeah, I, oh. I, there's just some stupid fanboy rant going, oh, you could have done this, or you could have done that. You know, me knowing, you know, having a multi-million dollar business, how that would work. <laughs> you know. That's, uh, well, that's everyone on, didn't you hear that that's everybody on Twitter? They all have their own businesses and make everything they they complain about, so they course. totally understand it. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> I was ahead of the game, really, for that. Uh, I was Twitter yeah. before Twitter existed. Now, I think I think a lot of fans must have done this at the time. And I think Sega must have got fed up, you know, angry emails or letters or, you know, oh, social posts sure. going in, forum posts going God in. social media wasn't where it is now <laughs> at that point, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I was gutted. And for that reason, I did not get a PlayStation 2 either. So I actually opted for... No, I actually held off. I, I almost did the... I did something similar to Chris, but I did almost the opposite. I kept my Dreamcast. And I was like, I'm not buying any more consoles. This is my last console. That's it. Um, Video games are over. Basically, it was it was effectively that. And then eventually, my friend convinced me to get a GameCube, and I bought a few games for that. And then I played Halo at my friend's house on the Xbox. And I was like, oh my god, this is the best first-person shooter I've ever played in my life. I've so never had Xbox. this feeling in my pants. That's that's that yeah. was probably the day, and then I saw that they had their Panzer Dragoon, Panzer Dragoon Auto on there, and they had some other great um, Sega games. And I was just like, oh man, like Headhunter Two was on there. And I was like, what am I doing? I need to get an Xbox. So, yeah, I got an Xbox for yeah. those reasons. I got I got a GameCube similar for you. Like there, I saw there's some good games, but I also saw um, yeah Sega games on there. So I was like, this is cool. I'm happy with this. Um, weirdly though, on the on the GameCube, only got a couple of Sega games on there. But yeah. That was it. I was just gutted. I was so unhappy. I don't think I cried. I didn't cry or anything. It wasn't that extreme, but yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those days. It's just like, shit, you know, Sony has won, basically. And it's just a hand. <sighs> yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of people might have experienced something similar to this, but yeah. Do you guys have oh, any yes, other final sure. thoughts? I don't, don't want to, I don't want to make light of it. Um, 
but it was not as directly affecting my life as video games totally. might have another time or even more so now. So it, mm. it, it's, it's crazy, but also at the same time, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Just where things were and everything. And, and I'm going to say it every, every freaking podcast, I guess, read console wars and you'll understand how they got to that point, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a, ama- it's kind of a phenomenon that the dreamcast even happened to be honest, <laughs> just based on where they were going into that. So, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's crazy. It's so nuts. Uh, what's even crazier. And, uh, I go, everyone should watch the movie, Josie and the pussycats, the dreamcast and Sega is all over that movie. And it's weird really? to think that Sega thought at one point, it's stronger than ever. Yeah, but that that movie also plays on um, like corporate uh, Big Brother and sponsorships and stuff like uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Kind of movie in House of the Dead. Remember that Uwe Boll movie? Uh, no, I forgot <laughs> about that. Tell me about I've never heard about that one, Chris. Oh. What's that? Uh, uh, I've got a uh, YouTube link I can send you later. Oh, good. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> I think if anything, it made the Sega fan base stronger. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, actually, I think I can agree with that. Yeah, especially the Dreamcast fan base. I think it did. Yeah, I think you touched on it. It wouldn't have been the same had it continued on for a few more years or what have you. Yeah. It's just nuts. It's so crazy to think about all the what-ifs, and it really was so short-lived. And unfortunately, that's why it's hard to collect the physical games as well, because the tail-end releases are so stupid expensive. But, hey... So we're moving on to our next section, which is actually the current state of Dreamcast. So even though Sega discontinued... um, Oh, actually, I had the date. It's January the 31st, um, 2001. That's when the Dreamcast was officially announced as being discontinued. Um, So yeah, um, even though Sega announced that and, you know, official games so started to wind down, it wasn't until, I think it's actually 2007, that Sega Japan... it wasn't Sega Japan, but the, the last official Dreamcast release was actually released in Japan. Um, so, uh, right. but since the Dreamcast, um, you know, folded, and, you know, production was stopped, uh, things have been going strong for the Dreamcast. It's a bit crazy, really. Uh, yes, it's not quite the same level as, you know, modern consoles or, you know, if a console was still being officially developed and produced by the company but stuff has been happening and in recent years the dreamcast has come back online again there's lots of games you can play online still so you've got like the big ones like quake 3 fantasy star online um toy racer if you're into that um there's lots of there's actually quite a lot of the uh original dreamcast online games actually back online uh thanks to the dream pie which is amazing we actually did a interview with the dream pie uh creators back in the magazine uh, a few issues ago um and if you go to dreamcasttalk.net, you can find out so much more about uh, the online uh, stuff for the Dreamcast at the moment. They 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 are always doing um, sort of hosted events and stuff for the different uh, online games. Uh, you can actually order a Dream Pie through there. So um, yeah, the Dream Pie is a Raspberry Pi effectively, which has been modded um, and you know put put. Um, uh, I guess software and you know firmware into it, which actually talks to the Dreamcast to get it back online through your broadband modem. So through uh, you can do it through wireless, you can do it through wired connection. Um, you can get online just using your, your current router. You don't have to do, use dial-up anymore, which is great. You still only get the dial-up speeds technically uh, because that's 
that's what the Dreamcast is capable of doing. That's what it plugs into its modem, built-in modem still, so still what's capable of doing, but that's what, that's what you do. Um, and aside from the Dreamcast being online, uh, there's loads of, there's been loads of indie games and Kickstarters that have come out. Um, so, you know, especially in recent times, there's been a few Kickstarter games. Uh, but since the Dreamcast was cancelled in 2001, approximately 70 homebrew or indie titles have been launched and sold on the system. So those are games that you can't, uh, you know, so indie developers have been creating and been selling online. Uh, so you can get from various online retailers and stuff. Um, Scotty's showing off a few of them there. That's, These that's are awesome. all indie games. Yep. Um, These are I've all got a, indie games. Look at that stack. I should have got my stack out as well, actually, but I've got a stack of them back there as well. Um, there's been countless actual indie titles and mods for games that have been released for free over the years. Um, you can get like games like you know, PC ports like Quake and stuff was released for free that people worked on, which is awesome. Um, there's about another 11 homebrew uh, releases on their way that we know of. Chris is going to talk, uh, I think, a little bit about some of them as well. Um, yeah, and also just for continuing Dreamcast coverage, Check out our friends at the Dreamcast Junkyard. They've always got excellent coverage of all things Dreamcast. They are brilliant. They're always hot on the pulse of Dreamcast news and stuff. Um, I learned quite a lot of stuff from them. So keep up the excellent work, guys. And I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Radio Sega for pumping out the Sega tunes all the time, yeah, keeping the music alive. They do Sega from all generations, but if you like to hear those Jet Set Radio, Jet Grind Radio tunes and stuff uh, from the Dreamcast era, they're always doing those as well. So... It's awesome. I think the state of the Dreamcast right now is fantastic, but I will stop talking and pass over to you guys. Let's hear your thoughts on what, what's happening with the state of Dreamcast now. Uh, I'll, I'll just say uh, really quickly, I can go down some of the list of games that are actually going to be coming out this year, uh, 2020, um, for indie games. Uh, and I'll see if you guys uh, have uh, any... any uh, Thoughts on those? Actually, there's a couple of games on here, or there's one game on here that actually did come out this year. So this is kind of a of like the major Dreamcast releases of 2020. Uh, the first one would be Xeno Crisis, which came out. Um, when did this actually come out, uh, Scotty? Because I think did it get a release late last uh, year? It may have released like late in the year on like Steam and. Uh, I can let you Genesis, know. I think that was like. I'm looking at my review essentially because I okay. released it. I did yeah, I know that release it, week. And then the Dreamcast version just came out like recently. Right. It, it just released. Uh, so I know the uh, game had been done probably sometime in you know late 2019, but um, didn't actually uh, get. I reviewed my review for it was December 12th of 2019. So it came out late 2019. Okay. Wow, I'm actually right for once. So um, <laughs> that was uh, that was actually a pretty good game like i was i was genuinely yeah, impressed solid. with that uh i think it looks great the dreamcast version is is really really nice um i will say that's one of those games man i i really wish they had a uh, another analog stick on that controller yeah it's um Ooh, yeah. For, i'll mention it here but it's on the schedule for the marathon we will be playing that sweet excellent awesome definitely yeah tune in for that dreamcast fans uh so some of the other games that are coming out is slave have you guys seen that? It's kind of like a three yes. puzzle style game. That looks I really think good. Very briefly, but I do remember the name. Yeah. yeah um, is is so, it a first person game? Am I correct in thinking yeah. that it's a first person sort of puzzle shooter style game? Is that right? I don't know if it's a shooter. So. Um, I, it, I, guess, I think it is first person though. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, In my head, it was yeah, first person. Then. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, then we also have Xenocider, which is like an on rails uh, shooter, kind of <laughs> like a. I'm sorry. What? I just pictured a bunch of xenomorphs sipping cider at a table <laughs> or something. What? Why? Xenomorphs. Xenocider. The aliens and aliens, and then drinking Graham's cider, maybe, or something. Just talking about, man, what a day at work, huh? My dog. I thought I like, mispronounced something when you guys started laughing. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, That's just, this, this is one, my fan fiction. This one looks really good, actually. Uh, like uh, Graham was saying, Dreamcast Junkyard has, has done a lot of good coverage on this game. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, probably, I mean, outside of uh, Xeno Crisis, Xeno Cider uh, might be the you know one of the games I'm looking forward to most out of this okay. list. Um, to round it out, we also have Intrepid Izzy, uh, which mm-hmm. we featured a preview of Intrepid Izzy in our Zero issue. Yeah, Mega Visions. Only yeah. I think we only printed like 30 of those. Um, they're out there somewhere. Uh, those copies get out. <laughs> I love the way Chris just looked around. Like, they're out there. <laughs> like, no, yeah, no, no, really, listeners, Chris just looked at the ceiling. I was looking to see if I actually have any on my shelf. Um, <laughs> I was looking around, seeing like, do I have any here? I have, yeah. I have copies of of issue eight. But oh no, yeah, yeah, that's what so I've got. I think Intrep- I think Intrepidity has been released on Steam and stuff, but the Dreamcast yep. version is still on its way. But yeah, they did release a demo version, which, as you say, we actually got to play and we reviewed and stuff. Um, uh, yeah. I actually got to play it, and I I thought it was a great game. Like I am, this is the game I'm looking forward to the most. I'm really excited for this oh. game. From from what I understand, with that in terms of production, um, they're releasing patches and and um, listening to feedback before they release the final version on Dreamcast. So that's why it's I guess that makes sense. So, and that's yeah. a senile team who's uh, behind yeah. uh, Intrepid. Is it? You can actually get it on Steam. For nineteen bucks, right now. Ooh, awesome. There you go. Perfect. So, Graham, are you going to get it? Well, I've I've, uh, I've already got the Dreamcast version ordered because I actually did the Kickstarter for it. Uh, right, but yeah, I may as well get. Yeah. I may as well put some money down for Steam and get the Steam version <laughs> as well. Why not? Let's do it. it can't be a podcast without buying something, Graham. So. That's true. Yeah, that's what I was okay, I've actually got Steam closed, so I don't slow the internet down. But I will uh, do that after. Yeah, maybe show. don't open that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Graham is actually uh, using the the Dream Eye to to do this recording, and he's using the Dreamcast. Dream, yeah, so yeah. he cannot open any other programs or applications, or else the whole. And each internet. each of the controllers he mentioned have a microphone plugged into them, so he's he's <laughs> he looks like he's in the middle of Death Stranding's mocap thing. Um, and uh, the last big release for the year is Arcade Racing uh, Legends. Have you guys Ooh, yes. seen this? I've also yeah, backed that on Kickstarter as well. Yeah. So what's going on with this game, Graham? Tell us about it. Oh, I haven't really been checking the actual <laughs> updates for it, but um, <laughs> it seems like it's been in production for a couple of years now. Uh, but it's, it's a 3D racing game, and one of the cool things about it is they've actually got inspiration from other Sega games and stuff. There's a few um, cars that are very similar to ones from Sega games, but they've also got, through the Kickstarter and stuff, they've actually got uh, other companies to sponsor certain cars and stuff. Um Actually, we were looking at doing a Mega Visions one, but I couldn't actually afford it at the time, which is really annoying. Yeah, because it was um, like a thousand bucks or something. It's pretty <laughs> expensive. It's pretty expensive to actually sponsor. You can get sponsored tracks as well. You can sponsor cars. Um, but it looks really good. So it's a full 3D racing game. It looks a lot of fun, like an arcade-style racing game. Um, it's the, the visuals on it look pretty damn decent, for a, especially for an indie Dreamcast game. Um, yeah. So this is probably the second game I'm looking most forward to. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I'd say it looks it, like a step up above Sega Rally Championship, honestly. 
Yeah, it's kind of visuals. I mean, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, basically that's probably the best way to actually talk. Look at it. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool. Oh yeah. What about you, Scotty? Um, holy crap. Uh, I got I got notes and they're bullet points, but there's a lot behind them each. Um, first I'll touch on the Dreamcast Live and Dreamcast Talk community. Or wait, did you talk yet, Graham? I don't want to step over your. I, I did mention stuff about that, but with the anticipation okay. that you were going to sort of talk about it. So I briefly mentioned what's happening, but yeah, go for it. Okay, awesome. I'll pull the curtain back over everything, and now I'll talk about my opinions. Um, <laughs> so no, Dreamcast Live and Dreamcast Talk is an amazing community. Uh, that's the online community that's still playing stuff today that supplied Graham and me and Chris. All of us have Dream Pies. I forget that all of us Ooh. do have Dream Pies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which to show is, one to the uh, camera. Yeah, um, which uh, unfortunately... So I'll, I'll I'll nip this in the bud. We had planned on having a couple hours dedicated to playing online during the marathon, but that was going to be between Chris, Graham, myself, and TJ. Long story short, not all of everybody's able to do that, so it's not going to happen during the marathon, but I like to think that somewhere down the line, we are going to have more online stuff happening. Um, and uh, that aside, though, great community, very friendly, very tech-savvy, because it is very much yeah. a small community creating these machines that uh, that let your dreamcast use a current inter internet connection to play things online still um they do have regular meetups still uh quake is on fridays typically they do alien front online fantasy star online sports titles are that are getting re um reinvigorated with their online modes are, are playable now and stuff so that's really cool um so that's awesome that that community exists indie games uh, we could have a whole podcast on Dreamcast indie games because what I'm I've got like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games right here. Ooh. Um, with these crazy found, stuff, you see a lot of like I found yeah, six on my shelf. Stuff. Yeah, awesome um, stuff. When the indie scene first took off, it was mostly shmups, but they've expanded outward on that with a lot of like JRPGs, um, and uh, platformers and stuff. Um, one game that I want to give a shout out to that more people need to play is Alice Dreams Tournament. Um, we had that a couple years on the marathon, but this thing does crazy stuff with the VMU and they actually, part of their Kickstarter was essentially backing their uh, lamp that goes over the VMU so that you can use your VMU at night or without the lights <laughs> off or whatever. And there are modes that use the, the VMU and you have to actually look at the, it's a Bomberman style party game. You have to look at the VMU to see yourself when players looking at the TV cannot see you like different dark modes oh my and God. Like light and dark stuff. It's there's, really there's, cool. Um, there's a game on the Wii U like that. It's like a new Luigi style game, like a Mario game, where well, players oh, looking okay. at the th main screen couldn't see the person who had the Wii U controller thing. I played yeah. that. I played that it's, in Expo once. Ah, oh, awesome. It's it reminds me of like Four Swords on the GameCube or Pac Man versus or um, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but along with the indie stuff, of course, want to mention Gun Lord is a really good like Turrican mm -hmm. thing. Um, and one that someday will release Elysian Shadows has a lot of hype behind it. Hopefully that game still comes out. Um, and overall, just like the indie scene, Josh Prod is, uh, uh yeah, a, a, is it one? It's not just one dude. It's a company. It, it's a, it's some devs that are making stuff. Um, the indie scene is so strong and it's so great that every year at MAGFest or too many games, I will pick up at least one Dreamcast indie game, hoping to showcase it on the marathon. If not, it's just good to have a new buying you're we're still buying new dreamcast games is yeah, what i'm trying basically. to say yeah um, um and it, it's crazy that those exist and all the ones that chris mentioned as well there 
Yeah, there's um, in fact, Dreamcast Junkyard sort of spoke about Josh Prod actually putting out a load more games coming soon. We've got Addis Sisters, Rocketron, I'm not gonna be able to say this right, Zet Sass. Satas, Zeus, or something next. Uh, Tough Guy, Supercharged Robot, um, Wolf Flame. Uh, those are a few games that are coming out from Josh Prod. Um, yeah, it's which is awesome. Uh, really excited to yeah see those games coming out. Really. Yeah, there's one that I'll mention again, or also is Alice's Mom's Rescue. Oh, yeah, pretty sloppy title. But I I popped this in during one marathon, and I was like, I don't know if anyone's gonna like this. It's a weird, clunky platformer. But it is made with speed running in mind, and people were loving that thing. And I thought no one would care about it. There is an, a sequel coming out called Alice Sisters, so it's the more insane, the better. The it's just cool to see this niche stuff that happens that you know AAA studios are not going to do because they're too afraid to not make money. Yeah, um, and one other very quick thing, another thing that one of the guys behind uh, the Dream Pie. Uh, Luke Benstead, he's working on a new 3D game engine for the Dreamcast, which uh, other developers and stuff can be able to use. And it's showing some early screenshots, and it's pretty cool what he's being able to do with it. Uh, so hopefully we'll see even more 3D games coming out. Uh, so wow. that's pretty exciting. So moving on, um, this is sort of going back to uh, one of the questions we had earlier in the show. We are going to look at Dreamcast games that we miss games we wish we got to play um but we didn't get to back in the day so if money wasn't uh, an object you know availability wasn't an object which games would we love to be able to get on and play with really so um uh who wants to go first i'll, I'll leave that to one of you guys i'll let uh, scotty go first because i went okay first okay um so mine are uh, so we're talking about things we missed um I, despite the fact that I own it now and also the microphone that you guys saw, I totally missed out on Seaman and haha, but <laughs> there's no way I could play that now as an adult with how demanding of your time that game is. Um, it's very much a real-time virtual pet. Like, if anyone remembers the Tamagotchis, it's that but a video <laughs> game, so you have to turn on your Dreamcast and interact with your console and stuff, but it was such a batshit insane idea. Leonard Nimoy was a narrator in it. Um, it's so crazy that I'm not even explaining how the game works and I'm saying all this stuff. So for those that have no idea, (laughs) Seaman, not that stuff, but an actual fish human, um, you hatch it from an egg or something, I think. And then you talk to him using the microphone and he'll reply to you. He's a total douchebag and interact (laughs) with you and, and be like, well, that's why no one loves you. Or it's, it's really bad stuff that he'll say to you like that. Um, and, but but you turn the the Dreamcast off and it used actually it wouldn't even I'd have to replace my lithium battery now that I think about it. Um, it uses that to continue so that when you come back he'll be if you come back in a week he might be dead or he might be like I thought you forgot about me I don't I don't know what he sounds like he doesn't sound like Eeyore but uh, <laughs> such Nobody a crazy cool I, did, did you <laughs> did either of you guys play that when it was relevant yeah, at all oh, yeah. I didn't no. oh you did. I was that's I was cool. Super, uh, super. I was gonna say I was super, super into Seaman. Um, the, <laughs> I was, I would. There's the title. I was so <laughs> excited for it that um, I would the um, the developer, the creator, uh, Yu Saito, I believe his name is, um, had this yeah. cool kind of viral marketing blog uh, that he ran. It was called uh, Ute.net, I believe, or Ute something like that. 
Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. was this like viral marketing website where this guy was like an archaeologist or something and he was on the hunt for seaman he was trying to discover the real life seaman and they had all these like cool like historical photos that you could do on there and he would create um blog entries because he would he'd be like okay i'm gonna go out to like somewhere in africa try to find there's been reports of seaman there and so he'd go there and like it was all would update in like real time and it would all lead up to like the game's release and so um each every few days would be a new blog update and i would remember oh going on the website and reading it and getting so excited about seaman uh finally releasing on the dreamcast and i played it a lot i really like that game but like you scotty uh there's no way i could go back and play all of that um today yeah. uh I just, it's just one of those things that I just, it, it's going to live on in my own memories, I think, forever. Yeah. That's, I didn't know all about that crazy blog and stuff. That's awesome. That... Yeah. I think I wrote a feature on the website about it for a long time ago called like um, Crazy Sega Marketing or something like that that they did for it. Yeah. Um, right. So check out the website and uh, learn all about it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I um and then uh, I'll mention this one briefly because Graham's going to go into it. Another one I missed out on. I think most of the world did is Sega Gaga. Um, mm-hmm. I'll let Graham talk more about that. But the other one is Skies of Arcadia, um, because I am such a big fan of Panzer Dragoon Saga, and most of the team that worked on that worked on Skies of Arcadia. I recently acquired Skies of Arcadia, but I have not. I, I haven't. Oh. I've maybe put an hour into it. I mean, it's it's JRPGs and me, man. I know that I would enjoy that, especially when as soon as I got into the open area for the first time, I was like, man, this feels a lot like, like Panzer Dragon, like Saga. And I didn't know that then that there was this, uh, a lot of members of the team from there yeah. on this one. Um, but, but yeah, I, it's, I, those are a couple of my blind spots. I have a, I, I had a hard time thinking because I was like, every time I kept thinking of Saturn games that I haven't played, um, that are white whales for me and stuff. But those are a couple of mine for the Dreamcast that I could think of anyway. Um, yeah, and as you know, I'm a massive fan of Panzer Dragoon Saga. The closest game I've played to Panzer Dragoon Saga probably is um, Skies of Arcadia. So yeah, you know, it's it's probably my second favorite RPG of all time. I love that game so much. Um, but yeah, uh, so ga- games that I'm just going to try and go through these quite quickly. But um, Sega Gaga, uh, that's a game that you know I remember vaguely hearing about it when the Dreamcast discontinued, but never got to play it. Um, was it a Japan only game? In my head, it yeah, was, yeah. but I'm not- yeah so officially translated yeah yeah there's a fans translation sort of happening it's it's kind of that if you don't know about sega gaga it was released around the time that sega released after sega had announced the discontinuing the dreamcast it was released on march 29th 2001 so a couple of months after they officially announced it um and it's a role-playing simulation style game where you actually are in control of Sega effectively um yep. and they're losing their they're losing the the whole point is Sega is losing their their console market share to their rival which is a company called Dogma in the game um but I think everyone knows it's solely in real life yeah. and from everything I've read about this game, it's like loads of tongue-in-cheek stuff, like, you know, referencing the whole console wars and stuff at the time and, like, you know, about the PlayStation 2. Um, and it's not like uh, other, you know, they get, like, you know, uh, Sim Hospital and Theme Park and stuff. It's not, it's it's got those elements of that kind of game into it. They've actually got sort of proper RPG-style gaming and stuff and also shoot-em-up-style bits. There's, like, a whole actual um, sort of 
horizontal scrolling shoot 'em up section where you are like flying through space and stuff. And like one of the bosses, like is like, in my head, it's a Sega Saturn or something. Like you're shooting one of the bosses with like a Saturn or Dreamcast. I can't remember which one it is now, but yeah, they've actually got like a a digitized image of like the Dreamcast and whatever you're shooting and oh. yeah. Um, nice. It might, annoyingly, I actually forgot to do research for that bit of the game. But uh, I remember that being a massive thing. But yeah, it's re- it just sounds really bizarre, but also really awesome. Um, and it's something I'd love to see a proper translation for. Um, my understanding is that most of it can be played in English, but there are quite a lot of segments which are in Japanese. So yeah, not not completely uh, playable for people who don't speak the language. Uh, but yeah, that's one game I'd love to play. Um Alien Front Online was another game so that didn't actually come out over here in, in the power regions. Um, and that was one of the games that you could use oh, your the microphone with. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't really know it was a thing. And then, I, and then I found out about it. And it just sounds like a really good game to play. Like I've seen some videos of people playing it. I was like, this looks awesome. Like I wish I got to play it back in the day. I mean, yeah, nowadays if I played no it, I probably think that, it's not that good. But Yeah, know. for people that don't know, because the name doesn't, sort of describes it but it doesn't to me i've not played it but it the gameplay looks strikingly similar to battle tanks if anyone's played that game so which is only uh, in my okay opinion. Cool. um yeah yeah one other game which i wish i played back in the day was fantasy star online version 2 so chris mentioned me and him he and i we played pso a lot together online but i had the version one version and when version two came out, I vaguely remember it coming out and I was, I didn't care about it. For some reason, I thought, oh, I've already got it. Why do I need this? I did not realize they added loads of extra areas, other weapons, like they up the level cap for the players and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it sounds, it was so cool, the idea. And I've actually since got it and I've played it offline and the new areas are amazing. They're really cool because my favorite area is the jungle area, um, like, you know, the forest, sorry, forest area in the original but they've added other areas that are kind of like that. They're more natural beauty kind of areas, I guess, if you want to call it that. So, yeah, I'm, I really wish I played it back in the day. I really wish I played it online. Uh, sadly, I didn't, but I've got it now. So, I guess what? Well, I could play it online now, can't I? Uh, with uh, the Dream Pie. Yeah. Yep. Or Blue Burst. Or Blue Burst. Yes, I could do that. Uh, but yeah, so that's me. Those are, the, those are the ones I've missed out on and yeah, wish I got to play. Um, yeah, Chris, did you? I've gone. Chris, did you go? I have not. Um, oh, Chris, I'll go for really it. Fine, um, because I don't really have a ton to say about it. But one game that I've always wanted to play and I just never have for whatever reason was Seventh Cross Evolution. Uh, it looks just so quirky and weird. It's one of these games where you basically have to evolve like yourself. Uh, there was a game called oh. back on the Super Nintendo, which I loved, yeah. and apparently it's like super expensive these days. But I remember renting that, and we eventually owned it. Um, but it's, it gives me a lot of like EVO vibes to it. Um, but apparently, you can like after I don't know a hundred percent about this game, but I have watched some videos about it. But it looks like you eventually have to <clears throat> unlock different body parts that you can yeah. then swap out to navigate over different portions or solve puzzles and things like that in the game it looks completely crazy uh you can come up with these crazy concoctions of different uh like combinations of like body parts and stuff um you can go from looking like somewhat human-like to all sorts of weird things have you ever played it graham 
I own it. I have it right here. That's a Japanese box. Okay, so I, I have the Japanese version. And no, of course, I played it, Chris. I actually did a What Did I Just Play feature for the magazine, if you remember. Um, because I. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You did. That's right. I okay. did. Yeah. So Shit. I had wait, heard wait, about. Wait, 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 wait. The audio, the audio completely cut out. You did a what on it? I did a What Did I Just Play feature article for the magazine. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Sorry if they didn't go through properly. Um, I've, I've kind of got excited and started shouting at the microphone, which probably didn't help. Uh, <laughs> so I knew about this game. I knew of the name. I had no idea what it was. So that's why I kind of did it for that article because I thought I'll play it. Looking at the back of the box, it does because it's in Japanese. It, it's hard to see on the, the cameras, but there's like a cool sort of robot kind of space dude in the back and stuff. So I had no idea what to expect. For some reason, I thought it might be a shooter kind of like you know shoot em up game but yeah it's you yeah. chris you sort of nailed it on the head it's kind of like a i think one game to compare it to is spore on the pc oh. you start off as like this little amoeba blob type thing and then you basically yeah. suck up like uh, algae and stuff in the water and then you start to grow it and turn into like a fish and then you sort of you basically have, the whole point is you're evolving and you get new abilities but you don't just turn into like a fish and then turn into something else you turn into something else by getting new limbs and body parts and stuff so you can get some really crazy sort of amalgamations and i i, just, I wish I, I i if you go back if you're able to go back and read it, the issue that i, I talked about i can't remember which issue it is but i actually have a screenshot of one of the crazy uh things that i turned into um and it there's um there's a few levels a comment it's basically split up into levels and at the end of each level there is a boss battle uh and it, it's it's just a really weird game and effectively you start off like quite low down like on like a little planet and then if, uh, my i never finished it my understanding is you do actually go to space or near space or something like you really do evolve into like a more powerful creature so i think there's uh, multiple endings because i just saw one ending where the guy um evolved and he had a woman with him into humans but they looked really oh. cavemen he had a fist okay. fight three kangaroos and then had to fight a woolly mammoth. He killed the woolly mammoth and the three kangaroos, and he beat the game. And the ending was um, to them cooking two, like, uh, I guess, woolly mammoth legs in a fire, and then just, like, hugging next to each other. And that's how the game ended. Wow. Just another day. That's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really fun game, though. Like, I, I've, the, even the Japanese... Once you, uh, the Japanese version, a lot of the menus are actually in English, but there's some Japanese stuff in there. But um, yeah, it's easy to find a guide online to tell you what you're doing and stuff. But yeah, really good game, really accessible. If you can get the American version, do. If not, Japanese versions get cheaper, I think. So yeah, check it out. Okay, so now we're moving on to our next section, uh, which are the overlooked Dreamcast games out there. Now, we're not talking about the best Dreamcast games on the system. Uh, but these are games that we think are actually pretty good and often overlooked uh, through time. So when you talk about, like, you see those uh, lists online of best Dreamcast games, these games very rarely get picks. But we think they actually deserve a bit of a, a bit of a shout-out. And we think if you've got a Dreamcast and you haven't played them, check them out. So, Chris, would you like to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, so... I think one of the most overlooked games that it, I I just don't think it gets enough credit for being a decent game, and people just don't really talk about it, especially when they talk about Dreamcast RPGs. Um, the one I want to talk about is Time Stalkers, mm. um, which 
I really, really enjoyed. Um, I would say it's in that second tier of Dreamcast games where you have, um, you know, Skies of Arcadia, you have Grandia 2. Um, I mean, those are really the big hitters. Um, then I think in that second tier, you have like the Evolution games. Uh, you have yeah. Time Stalkers, and you have a few of the others. Like uh, there's some action RPGs, like Record of Lotus War and Silver, and some of those. Um, but I think Time Stalkers, for me, that was my favorite of that kind of like second tier of Dreamcast RPGs. Yeah, um, it did some really cool stuff. The idea is is that like you're this. He almost looks like a vampire, but he's like dressed <laughs> up like a like almost like. Um, something in like I don't know, just this weird coat, and he's got really spiky ears. He's got like um, like fangs and stuff. It's weird, but part of your world is like kind of broken away, and it's getting all these worlds are coming together and stuff. So it's like like I guess like time space is somehow being disrupted, and large portions of other worlds are coming into this one piece of your world and getting attached to it. So as the game goes on. The like the level area, kind of like the main hub world, I guess, continues to get bigger and more uh, NPCs starts coming and it unlocks more stuff. But you're essentially going into different um, like dungeons and caves um, and going in and trying to defeat the like go through and, and, and kill them all and and get through. Um, it does do some some cool things. It introduced uh, basically like uh, the Pokemon style of like being able to collect pets and get them uh. on your side. And then okay. if you do that in a dungeon, they go back to this like little pin area, kind of like a little farm that you have uh, where they go and you have to like uh, go and feed them and, and help them. And then they can join you eventually. And they'll, they're kind of like your helper pets. Like when you go into oh. the, the, the dungeons and stuff, which is kind of neat. Cool. The one thing that I do remember people really didn't like about the game was after you come out of a dungeon, I think a lot of your uh, level, your level would reset. And so you'd go back down to like level one. Um, but I think you still kept a lot of your abilities and things like that that okay. you gained. Lose everything. Um, I just really like the characters. I, I, I remember the dialogue and you had this like really fancy looking butler guy like that go, come into your house. And because you're meant to be this kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe like some some sort of like nobleman, I guess, from like long ago, like, you know, this, you know, like the 15 or 1600s or something. In our world, I guess. Um, but I just remember it just being a lot of fun. It was very quirky. Um, and I, uh, I bought it when it first came out, and then I must have sold it or did something to it. Um, but then I remember years later going back and buying it again. Um, and it, I got it for a dollar on eBay, I remember. Like, oh, hey, wow. all I had to pay was like shipping or something. It was like a couple bucks. The guy sent, ended up like not shipping it off for a very long time and i kept like getting really angry and i was about to like open up a like a uh, some sort of issue with Channel them or whatever oh. so i could get my money back or just get refunded or whatever but um he ended up finally shipping it and he ended up putting a dollar in the in with the <laughs> game so i essentially got it for Aww. free oh that's okay. pretty sweet well, i forgot it cost you shipping it. on that game and uh which Jeez. is only a few bucks so i thought yeah. it was pretty funny um, that I ended up getting Time Stalkers essentially for free off eBay. <laughs> nice. I do actually remember, Chris, you had a Time Stalkers review on Dreamcast as well. And that's Did where I? I know most of most of the knowledge I know about Time Stalkers is from your review. Yeah. 
And that's the, what you mentioned there about the levels being reset. That's one thing that put me off playing it. But now mm. you've just mentioned it again. It kind of, I, I want to play it. I do want to play this game. It looks quite good. So yeah, I, I think, I think I'm going to give it a try. I feel like I actually own it. I was just looking at my shelf. I can't, I can't see it, but I vaguely remember having it. So yeah, I have to double check if I have got it or not. Yeah. Um, did you have any other overlooked Dreamcast games, Chris? Or um, that was my biggest one. And as you're saying that, uh, I I did I have found it. Um, <laughs> what? I the, found the review. My review. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, the Dreamcasters Realm website. Yeah. So you can go to dreamcastersrealm.tripod.com. Oh, yeah. um, I'll tell you what. I'll read you the summary, and then I'll give you my scores real quick. Um, I say, all in all, Time Stalker is not a bad game. It's just not that good either. Like I said, you'll be better off playing the other two AAA Dreamcast RPGs. But if you're one of those nerdy guys who spends his weekends locked in his room, you might want to like an anime out. fan on prom night. <laughs> oh my god, you might want to check this out instead of beating Skies of Arcadia for the fourth time. I was very aggressive. <laughs> what? <back then. laughs> what an asshole! <laughs> Damn. I don't know Damn. what I was. Um... Holy crap. I guess I also go on this like really obscenity laden like thing later on, <laughs> earlier on in this review. Um, wow, this that... piece of shit. You're not leaving your mom's basement anytime soon, so you should play this instead, you loser. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Really wow. I, oh, apparently, I was very mad in this review about losing your levels. So I was not happy about it. <laughs> oh, um, oh, you, yeah, like you just mentioned, restarting each Overall, I gave it a six. So, out of ten, so, six out of ten. Wow. Okay. So, but do you, do you oh, feel? Like, have you warmed up to it more now since that review? Because it sounds like you have. Um, I I remember it. I definitely remember it more fondly than I think I did at the time. Like I remember it being kind of a. I I remember. I think I was more <laughs> upset because I think that I thought it could have had a lot of promise to it. Right. Like it could have been a much better game, but they made some just stupid decisions. Um. But overall, I really, I really liked it. Maybe I'll stream it one of these days and just kind of go yes. through it. Yes, let's do it. I think that would be fun. Cool. Maybe we'll do that, Graham, on our uh, Friday, uh, like Chris and Graham play days. I think we should. Um, yeah. All these people will pick up some well, time stalkers. You know, you have to call it, of course, the stream. What's that? I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yep, that's all that happened. Cool. So, Squally, what about you? Uh, what are your overlooks Dreamcast games? Yeah, um, I talk about it all the time. Uh, introduce Corey to it. Um, Rachel loves it as as well. Uh, Ill Bleed mm. on the Dreamcast was such a weird, campy, awesome, bizarre thing. Um, the le- the thing on the back of the box really says it all. Uh, Ill Bleed delivers a badly needed transfusion to the quote been there done that end quote horror game genre and it is it's so hard to describe this game to anyone so it's it's become a staple in the marathon we used to switch it out between this and blue stinger because blue stinger is made by the same uh crazy games uh that's what they're called is crazy games um and uh it's just it's such a weird it's it is in the in the most direct sense of the of the statement it is a survival horror game because you do have your senses that you have to learn to use to avoid traps while you're getting through this murderous theme park carnival crap lands 
and you have uh, you have these goggles that you wear to see traps and scan them in and out. I I can't ex- I don't know how to explain this game. I really don't. So it is very much one that we just we just pop it in and we go. So the the plan this year at the marathon is Corey's going to try to get through the first level, which we've never done on stream during the marathon. Whoa. Him and I practiced it recently, and it was good to go. Um, Ill bleed is such a gem. There's there. I will I will stand by saying there is no game out there like it. It is one of a kind. Um, if someone can find a game like it, please tell me because I would love to play those as well. That's why it's one of my favorite games. Um, and then the other the runner up to that, uh, Tokyo Bus Guide. Oh yeah, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, is great. You 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 heard and saw Chris and Graham's reactions. Like that is a game to play with friends. Uh, maybe get some drinks involved, but it is so weird. A single player simulation games are much bigger in Japan. Like there's that the um, I, I recall reading about the train simulator game, like the monorail almost thing, but it has a controller Ooh. that is literally one button and the the the, the stick shift or whatever it is, uh, accelerator stick or something. Released in Japan, I think for Dreamcast. Pretty sure for PS2, but Tokyo Bus Guide is literally that. You are a bus driver in Tokyo. You you have to be sure to turn your turn signal on, use your brakes, uh, signal, open your door, close your door, um, turn slowly, don't speed up, follow the speed limit. Like it's mm-hmm. crazy that it is a simulation game, and and I don't remember. Oh, it was recommended by someone on Reddit to us because we did pre-marathon posts on at Reddit. Like, at, what weird games do you want to see? What's some good games that no one talks about? And Tokyo Bus Guy was on there, and it's the best best post we've ever done related to the marathon because it's a weird thing. Tokyo Bus Guide. Yeah, and both those games you mentioned, I experienced for the first time during last year's marathon. Uh, so Ill Bleed, I was like, wow, that's this game is really strange, but also awesome. Um, and then Tokyo Bus Guide, I, I vaguely remember this actually being shown in Dreamcast magazines and thinking, this looks like the worst game ever. That's probably, <laughs> I think Chris has said this as well, is the highlight of my marathon last year i thought it was so much fun it's just <laughs> nuts it's like it's like how was this game made and why would they not make more of it because it's so good. <laughs> like it doesn't sound like it but it really really was good oh man i'm yeah definitely up for more of that this year it's so so much fun i'm, uh, I'm so ready that's always a highlight of the thing it's it's because it's people are watching us play that and they're like how are they having fun with a bus driving game because it because you always hear the memes and talk about um bus driving simulator whatever the pen and teller game desert bus oh, that's yeah. it this is not on level with that at all yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah, it's, i mean it's a real video game versus like you yeah. just literally oh, yeah. having to drive <laughs> you know like on a straight road in the desert of Los, you know like nevada um yeah. this was yeah. an actual real game and it's challenging it's a lot harder than it seems and you're just driving a bus to try to pick people up and it that's yeah. fun it's weird that it yeah. is, but I, it's a I think, game for me. I think it's the ultra realism and how quickly you're penalized that makes it so good. It's, it's, there's something about that. It's like, oh, because you see, see people playing it like, this looks easy, but when you're actually playing it, it's like, oh my God, this is so hard. We, don't, we barely got past that first right hand turn when we played it of the marathon last year. We <laughs> yeah. all, like, so many of us took go. It's so funny. Yeah. It, that, the Dreamcast, the, the marathon clips that we have, the clips video on our YouTube it's worth checking out for the Tokyo bus guide sections alone. Cause Chris is just screaming at Graham and there's just chaos. I'm sure and Chris is just in a blind rage when Graham's trying to play this game. It's great. Oh, it's so good. Uh, man. Those are so my, my, I've got a couple of games as well. I've mentioned this quite a few times on the show, so I'll be brief with it. It's uh, speed devils. I love speed devils. 
I think it's such an often overlooked racing game. It's kind of an arcade style racing game, but there's a bit more to it. Uh, so it's not realistic at all, but the the levels are really fun that you um, like, you have like moving obstacles and levels. Like you have like a T-Rex that comes out on like a Hollywood level and like other levels, you've got like yeah. boulders that come out. Um, there's one level, which has got like a freaking tornado twister thing going through it. So like you occasionally get picked up by it and thrown around. Um, there's also like a gambling, kind of a gambling element to it where the, the rivals that you race against, if you, after the first sort of season, um, they start to actually challenge you to stuff. So they might be to burst a police radar. So you have to go over the speed limit and burst this police radar to get money. Or it could be they want to they want to, you to try and beat someone else in the race or they do a one-to-one race with you for their car. So when you beat them, if basically if you lose, they take your car and you have to make sure you've got enough money to buy a new car. Uh, otherwise you're basically out of the game that's it game over for you or if you beat pink slips it's exactly it's it's literally like fast and furious that's what it's like (laughs) uh and if you beat them you get their car and the great thing is they're not in the for the rest of the season they're not in it because they don't have a car they're not in the rest of the season and the next season they start with the basic one of the basic cars so they could have one of the best cars that you get off them and then the next season they've got like a really basic card so it's just one of those little touches in this game i absolutely love and it's just really fun two player on it is terrible though i will say I that i was gonna say don't bother um, two player oh wow it's like they kind of got some of those features and stuff in the single player in there but it's nowhere near as good uh single player is where it's at for this game it's so much fun uh, me and my friend used to play a lot not on two player on single player we used to take it in turns because we realized very quickly cool. two player was Interesting. terrible uh another game which i want to mention which often is chosen as a top Dreamcast game, and I don't think anyone's going to argue against it, but I still feel it does not get enough credit. And that is, okay, uh, I've actually got three copies I found out. Metropolis Street Racer. (laughs) Uh, Over the years, I've managed to pick up multiple copies of it. I have a copy at my parents' house. I don't know how. Um, But yeah, I don't have have as many cases on my shelf. um, So yeah, um, Metropolis Street Racer uh, is... If, if you don't know about it, it is the forerunner to Project Gotham Racing, which was on the Xbox. Mm, right. um, it is a very realistic game. You drive in realistic cities. Um, it is one of the first games to actually do that properly. And when I'm not I'm not saying they've taken a style of New York or, you know, where it's actually got, it's got London, San Francisco and Tokyo in it. It hasn't got a style of those. It's literally got recreated cities, cities in it. Um and when you actually look at how much detail went into the game, it's insane. Um, and the Dreamcast Junkyard, actually, shout out to them. They've got quite a few articles about how much work went into it and all the there's other hidden stuff in it. There's like these weird missing posters on some walls of like missing people in certain areas like London. Go check out the Dreamcast Junkyard for those articles because it's actually quite fascinating. Why? Um, yeah. Why? What? <laughs> Wait, just okay. do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but... I feel like this is one of those games that really sort of um, showed how good the Dreamcast was and it's often just overlooked yes. and how great it was. And the other great thing about it is the realism, the sound effects. When you drive past buildings and stuff, it, you actually hear the <laughs> and it's actually done like almost in real time effectively. Um, and it's just insane. And what they did with the game is beautiful. It looks really good. The city... Oh, here's the other... This is how realistic it is. When I was younger, I never went to London, really. Like, I went on school trips. We were on a bus or whatever. We got we got to London. We went out. We stepped out of the bus. We're at the place we needed to be, like a museum or whatever it was. Uh, so I'd never really gone to London. I played this game. I played it tons to death, pretty much. Um, 
went started going to London more and more as I was getting older. And I knew where I was in London because of Metropolis Street Racer. That's how good it was. That's how realistic it was. I'd like, I've been here before. Wait, no, I haven't. I've been here in Metropolis Street Racer. I know exactly if I walk down this road, I'm going to end up here. And yeah, it's insane. I mean, London's changed a bit over the years now because, you know, cities to move on and stuff so but the main features of london are still accurate in metropolis street race so it's it's nuts and i think this is something that just doesn't get picked up enough it's so good so yeah metropolis that's street really racer. cool coincidentally yeah. that's coincidentally that's also how graham learned how to drive <laughs> yeah um I'm, oh just on that game one other thing i loved about it was that depending on the time zone that you're playing in when you played in america or japan tracks it'd be that actual native time over there so for example if i'm playing uh if i'm if i'm playing in london at uh, 12 o'clock like 12 p.m it would be oh, i don't actually know the time difference with san francisco but it'd be like the morning in san francisco and it'll be nighttime in japan if that makes sense when you go when you race on those tracks so it would be I, yeah if you use like current time it's 2 p.m mine and chris's time right now two in the afternoon mm-hmm. but it's seven o'clock at night your time yes. so if i was playing in London, if I was driving through London, the sun would be setting maybe right now. Yes, exactly. And that's, yeah, that's so cool. it's great idea. So if I played at me, if I played nighttime, my time, it'd be more like afternoon or morning in Japan. It's brilliant. I loved it. Um, that's nuts. So, so yeah, and then Project Gotham Racing. Yeah, that stuff, but yeah. sorry, tangent. Anyway, so yeah, those are my picks. So um, I guess I guess that kind of wraps up the show, everybody. Um, I, th- I feel like we've gone through the highs and lows of the Dreamcast there. Um, some good times, yeah. some bad times, Jeez. some stuff in the middle, um, great memories. Thanks to everyone who sent in their um, their, their thought, their memories and experience of the Dreamcast. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, great to get all that feedback and stuff. And as we said before, we're doing this all in aid of uh, next week. We're doing the Dreamcast uh, 24-hour Dreamless Dreamcast Marathon. Sorry, I don't think I've got the title right there, Scotty. Nobody <laughs> does because it's horrible and I didn't think of it, so I won't blame myself. That's fair enough. But very quickly, Scotty, do you want to quickly mention all about yeah. that? Because um, you're the best person for it, I think. So September 12th of this year, we are doing the Dreamcast Dreamless 24-hour Marathon on our Twitch page starting 7 a.m. Eastern time, going to 7 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, 24 hours, raising money for Extra Life, which is a really good cause. Uh, my, and you can actually join the team. Uh, staff members are joining the team because we're raising money for Pittsburgh Children's Hospital. Anything that goes doing it's under my name. Brett, anything goes towards that. Uh, towards his name is through uh, West Virginia um, Children's Hospital, I think. And then Corey actually just hopped on. He's benefiting a hospital in Arkansas. So... It's a, it's for a really good cause. These are difficult times to begin with, so it's even better than we can. Li- it, it still blows my mind that we play video games to raise money for children. <laughs> like playing ben- video games is benefiting someone, so it's it's nuts and awesome. But the overall marathon showcases the Dreamcast and its heavy hitters and really niche awesome titles like Pen Pen Tri Isolon, Tokyo Bus oh. Guide. We mentioned Die Hard Arcade, crazy cool stuff. You'll see the 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 basics like Jet Set and Sonic Adventure. We start out with. We do have money goals to, if we hit those, we'll play certain stuff. We'll stop everything and play the the big hitters for those are Power Stone 2, Space Channel 5, and Sonic Shuffle. If we raise $666, we'll stop everything within reason. We might have to like cap out the hour or something and then play Sonic Shuffle. That game is torture and fun for everyone because it's entertaining as we suffer through it. It should be called Sonic Suffer. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, September 12th, 7 a.m. Eastern on our Twitch page. I've been doing posts about it. Did an unboxing for the Sonic Peach Ring Energy Drink towards it. Hop on the website, follow us on Twitter, and you'll be keeping up to date with that. September 12th, 7 a.m. And shout-outs to our sponsor, Warp Zone. They always help us out with donating games. Oh, and you can win a Dreamcast console. I didn't even mention that. If you're yeah. the most active in the chat, if you view the longest, we tell you those things up, and you can win a Dreamcast console. This year, we're doing it designated to the <clears throat> region that the person lives in. In previous Ooh. years, it's only been an American console that indirectly, we didn't mean to, has caused some issues. So. It'll be region specific. You could win a console and help, you know, donate towards kids that need an extra life. Hey, awesome. Amazing. Um, thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks for all your Dreamcast stuff. And uh, yes, uh, stay tuned next weekend for, for that 24 hour marathon. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess we're out of here. So keep on dreaming, everybody. It's still alive. Hashtag still thinking. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant to say. Damn it. <laughs> See ya. So we'll wrap, we'll wrap that bit up. We'll, we'll draw that sad tale to an end and let's move on. I guess you're kind of right. It's it's not yeah. really happy that it happened, but uh, what was that? Uh, that was Odin the Green with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had this, yeah. Like, okay. You have an audience out here, Graham. So you got to learn yeah. to uh, work through some some background noise.